What on earth is that? It's a Journey in the Comics Network production! The following podcast, scheduled for one fall, is for the Journey into Wrestling Podcast Tag Team Championship. Because the Warhorse will fight until he breathes his last breath. I got the whole damn world in my hands. Your arms are just too short to box with God. You just made the list! But the man is back. Daddy's home. Ricky ain't about just taking titles. I'm about taking this up to another level that you've never seen before. I'm a wildfire burning across the countryside. I am Napalm Death. Welcome to Villain Enterprises! No faith, no company, no entity, all pro wrestling. WrestleManiacs, welcome back to another episode of Journey into Wrestling. Today, it's Journey into Wrestling 103. It might be raining outside. It might be pouring buckets, buckles. But today, we are here chilling. I am your podcast host, the Father Nate. Today, joining me as I just spoke in the introduction. We love him. We fiend for him. We even drink oh, orange juice for him. Welcome back to the show, Buckles. I, I, you know, normally I have a riff or something I can do off of whatever your introduction is. I don't know how to take that one. I don't. I was okay until the orange juice got there. <laughs> then I got confused. I just uh, wanted to like reference uh, some of my favorite wrestlers and my adulation for you as a person. Uh, and well, well, here in my thought process, when you mentioned the fiend, I had a joke in mind loaded up. So like, okay, I'm gonna make a joke about the fiend. I'm like, wait, orange juice. What the fuck do I do with orange juice? <laughs> Uh, my brain maybe you just pour it over your head i got you i have it where is my mind (laughs) there you go that's a great way to start the show bro so man it was wrestlemania weekend there was a fuck ton of wrestling and that was even for the mainstream wrestling fan there was a fuck ton of wrestling for the indie wrestling fan then you have me the masochist the 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 psychopath who does way too who overdoes things just slightly. You sent me videos during the first day of the collective <laughs> of people just dying. People just getting um, fucking killed. Um, you know what? There's some there's a little bit of humor to that because day 1 of uh, of the collective there was a couple, you know, people having to t- be taken away in ambulances. Um something I didn't mention to you on this on the uh, on the chatting was that uh, the entirety of the collective was held outdoors uh in tampa in april um so there was at least two people um one being uh uh, royce isaacs um from uh, nwa and one being uh jj garrett uh who's been seen a little bit on uh dynamite kind of looks like the uh illegitimate love child of uh old school original scott steiner oh yeah, yeah yeah the human mullet he's amazing but he uh, actually like threw up in the ring due to a heat stroke. Like like there was some serious during uh, the show, like in mid yeah mid match. You watched him then, like, puke in the ring. 
yeah it was pretty much he just yucked in the ring yeah um he uh there was some uh, hydration issues to start the weekend off like from uh, what i understand it was hotter than shit and humid as florida can get there so and wrestlers yeah. don't necessarily take care of their bodies even though they're great performers and they're great athletes some of them you know uh well don't I think mean, about like you got to have water in you at all times and they might drink to, water but to be fair that the match that jj garrett uh like got sick in was his second match of the day and it was only like maybe one o'clock in the afternoon there you go so like yeah mm-hmm. it was there was some reasoning for that but but no to your point um yeah there was a lot of crazy spots and like honestly i had a blast uh well i'm gonna get to the collective uh here in a bit i want to get obviously the big story i mean it's wrestlemania weekend we call it that for a reason wrestlemania is still the big news um you know, despite your thoughts on it, despite what you may have liked on the card, disliked on the card, it's still the biggest name on the wrestling world right now. It is still WrestleMania. It's WrestleMania for a reason. Well, and um, I think we've talked about this, Buckles, to kind of preface this. We always say it. I think you and I have a consistent track record when they do shit bad, we dog them. Mm-hmm. And when they do shit well, we praise them. I mm-hmm. think in that regard, we are pretty non-objective wrestling fans right we have things we I, consistently see that we like and we don't like but what do we always say about what we like when they hit it out of the park bro it's great it's the fucking yeah. biggest home run you could hit i'm gonna i'm gonna say that lately i've been losing a little bit of my objectivity when it comes to wwe and i'll get to that here before we end the show probably is that i've gotten a little bit of burnout going on with me and wwe specifically but um I do want to tackle Mania first as far as let's like, do just it. Jump it straight into it. I want to get under the Mania cards. Um, and I know night one, you and I actually chatted back and forth and watched at the same time. Um, but Mania night one was, I think, arguably the better of the two nights, really. Um, you had, you started off the show with Lashley and McIntyre, uh, which full credit to McIntyre. Uh, for having the title match come out first, which is kind of a, an unusual thing and what we didn't expect to happen until about a week prior. We didn't find out that it was going to open the show until about a week prior. Uh, but good on McIntyre for getting the big first with a crowd pop. You know, even though it technically wasn't really the first with a crowd pop because Vince kind of took that for himself by coming out and doing his speech right before the show got rained out for another 20 minutes, which hell, we could even start with that, really. Uh, we had WrestleMania. Well, no, it was Michael Coles. It it was actually Messlerania because it I, was literally a mess. Because literally, like I'm wa- I'm watching the the Twitter thing kind of happening, and I get notifications for your shit. And I have certain people who, when they post, I make sure to have their notifications. So if it's important, like Alvarez, I always have the, that way. I know what the fucking yeah. ratings war was like and shit. Sean Sean Ross Sapp, Dixon's fan. Yep, I know. you already know. So like fucking all of a sudden, I get this thing from Alvarez. It's like WrestleMania is currently on a rain delay, and I was like, "Wait, what? I didn't even think about that." Like they're outside in Tampa, and they're and, and it and they, and it doesn't just rain in Tampa. It fucking it's- Hurricanes in Tampa, motherfucker. It's the lightning capital of the world, yeah. Yeah. Um, like it was weird. And my my joke was that it's not just it's it's WrestleMania in your house, beware of dog. You know, the the one house or the one uh in your house show that got power went out. Power, right. Power went out because of rain. But um it was weird and really they're almost kind of lucky in, in a sense because they've had mania outdoors how many times now? And this is the first occasion that it's actually happened. A fuck ton. They've had a fuck ton. So, I mean, of they've been kind of lucky in that regard. It was going to happen eventually, 
but uh, you feel bad for the fans who'd already been there for like six hours waiting. So, in, you, know. you know, my question was though, and I was sitting there thinking it like, what's what's to come? You know, like what if it didn't let up? What if there was a massive storm on the horizon that was not going to relent? Right. How are they gonna? How are you gonna take the eight thousand or ten thousand that was there? I don't. I mean, I don't know what the attendance was. Well, Obviously, no, they didn't break know, an attendance record. No, I know. At one point, <laughs> They actually had to tell people to get up out of their seats and go to the concourse. That's what I'm saying. So what do you do if you have to then evacuate everyone and say, look, we can't even have the show tonight. We're going to have to start everything tomorrow and then push everything to Monday and then Monday. Like, do you see the whole possible fuckage that could have happened? I could see them. I could see them, you know, waiting or putting it off a week, maybe. I don't know that there was anything that was going to happen to Raymond James this today. But but so, alternately, set up. But yeah, I don't know. But alternately, too, you could have just had okay. Well, we're gonna start WrestleMania at fucking noon and do a one day, you know, and go back to the old school That's way a, we used yeah. to do it, and just have Sunday. And that would have kind of been cool—an accidental return to form, like yeah. how WrestleMania used to be. And we had this like one year of it being different, and then now we've two years mm-hmm. of it being different. And I kind They're of ta- they are talking about next year being back to one year, as far as I've heard, actually. So. I'm not really thrilled about, but I'm 50 50 because honestly, part of me does love it being split into two nights. I think it allows you to take in more wrestling and actually enjoy it and not be mm-hmm. it's so laborious. Like if I was watching the show, we start with the Drew McIntyre match and that's got like a really interesting whole talking about we're going we'll, we'll get get to we'll get into the match here in a second. And yeah. then we go all the way through everything we witnessed in night one and then all the way through everything. I wouldn't have cared what happened at the end of night right. two. I, I would mean, have been burned out. Well, it would have because it just would have been the end of night one. It would have just been the end of WrestleMania. I think the lesson that I'm hoping that they learn is that the two-night mania showed them that three hours for a card is not bad. I mean, that's that's a good, solid card. Six to seven hours is too much. It's, it's flat out too much. Like for one stretch of wrestling. I mean, I and here I am talking about the talking about that while being the guy that watched the 24-hour wrestling show earlier this year. But it's you true. can drop in and drop out. You can you can set in and set out of it. But 7 or 8 hours of WWE programming is much because everything has to be epic and so, you know, bombastic and it's, it's storyline driven yeah. to the fucking cheese. Not to mention the fans are there sitting there for 8, 9, 10 hours because they've been there before the show started. Yeah. So that's what happens when you get to the end of the card and you have even a decent match. It's probably getting booed or getting crickets because people just want to go the fuck home. But um, yeah, we started the show with uh, with Vince and the, you know, we're happy to be back. We're happy to be back. Blah, blah, blah. The same kind of shit he did after 9-11 where Vince just cannot be in not be in the spotlight for something like that. And I. I'm going to be completely honest. There's pro- I'm probably going to sound negative towards WWE for a, a few points of the show because I'm just honestly, again, having trouble staying positive with them, a sure. lot of stuff. But um, you start off the show with that, and then they cut to uh, the commentary team saying, hey, we're going to have to rain delay for however long, 20, 30 minutes, something like that. And they have to fill dead air all of a sudden. And this is not something that WWE is accustomed to because they're scripted down to the fucking word half the time. So we're going to start throwing it to wrestlers to do live unscripted promos, which is cool. That's what we've been wanting for a while. Old school. Let's take it back. Yeah. Except, you know, the first person they threw it to for an unscripted promo. Shane. Really? Shane. And then 
to be fair, they did take the Michael out of Shane's hand pretty quickly when it when it became readily obvious that no, that was a terrible idea. Here comes Drew McIntyre to do his speech now, and he's you know actively tearing up because he's excited from the crowd being there, and he's he's pumped. And we get a lot, we get a face down with him and Lashley. Which when was the last time you saw two you know WrestleMania opponents that close together right before a match? That Never. So cool. And then we get. Sami Zayn and, and Kevin Owens, which they could have just let Kevin Owens go for 20 minutes and they'd have been fine. Totally. Samoa Joe. Like they did a great job with it. Um, as long as I kept the mic out of Shane McMahon's hands, which we pretty much could understand anyway. But eventually we did get to the show starting. Um, and it was cool. It was cool to see the fans back. I kind of was annoyed by the fact that most of them didn't seem to be wearing masks or a lot of them, like you could tell they were taking oh, my seat down. now. Hey. Yep. Who's um, going to enforce this? Yeah, they're they're not going to kick us out. They want us on our seats too bad. So essentially what you're telling me is uh, the 26th or the 20th. No, no, the 23rd. No, the 24th. I can't math. April 24th, when we start hearing about a big outbreak of it's Corona all over, it's going to well, all have spawned from WrestleMania. Uh, I would say all from WrestleMania weekend because let's get it. Let's be honest. You saw the same thing with with. Uh, the collective, you see the same thing with every every other fucking gathering. You could also just Florida culture, it's bro. Florida. If you would have had it in any other state, they would have obeyed that shit. But fucking Floridians well, are moronic. Texas, may, for the Texas maybe not. Texas maybe not. Okay, yeah, okay, um, Texas. May. You picked the other reddest fucking option. You know. Anyway, anyway. Um, again, I'm reminded of the quote that I read yesterday that I love. I actually put it in our group chat. Was that. Uh, the rest of the world looks at America the way that the rest of America looks at Florida. I love it. I fucking love it. Um, anyway, death. Truth. We did get to the first match, and again, it was cool to see the crowd. Um, I was kind of taken aback by the fact that Lashley won because I did not see that coming at all. I did. I. I, I mean, I wanted him to win. I wanted Lashley to win, and I'm a McIntyre fan because Lashley deserves it more, and he deserves to not get his legs cut out from under him. So thankfully, they made they made the right decision, but. All evidence to the contrary going in because it seemed like hell they were doing everything to get McIntyre his big hero moment in front of the crowd. So you get kind of a, I'm not really going to call it a swerve, but at least a little bit of subversion of expectations in the very first match. Which was so, great. And I said yeah. this when you told me they broke the Hurt business up. I was like, listen, you don't take a powerhouse team that everyone is celebrating right now. Literally, everyone was like, look at these guys a year ago, and they're all fucking a bunch of nobodies, and now look what they are. They're this awesome team. They have all the gold and all this shit, you know? And and then they break up, and it's this whole thing. And I'm like, why would you do that? And my only logical explanation is Bobby's got to go over because they're not ready for him to be done yet. If you decimate the Hurt business and then immediately have Lashley lose – it disenfranchises all the work you just built putting into that team. I'd still argue that it's doing that anyway. By cutting the, the team out from under him, I think it still does because it really makes it look like, like people were getting behind Shelton Benjamin and getting behind Cedric Alexander as a team and as you know somebody they were looking forward to seeing. And not only did they get cut from the Hurt business, they've been getting like, they, they're getting jobbed out. Like they got flat out, they got, both beat by Lashley on Friday night or whatever night last week or Monday night, I guess it was last week. Like they both got beat either back to back or in a handicap match. I don't remember. They both got jobbed out to him. They haven't gotten an entrance since they've had matches, but they haven't gotten an entrance since they're, they're going to be relegated back to probably main event or whatever here soon. The argument is that Vince really just doesn't see anything in them. 
which we're going to come back to here in a bit. Well, but, and then the other argument is um, the vapid, um, open-ended question that Lashley put on Twitter after the win. I've beat everyone that matters who's left. And there's only one name that I can conceivably think of that is a big marquee money match for the WWE that does have genuinely, genuinely now, some full circledness to it if everything were to come together. Well, I mean, are you talking currently contracted to WWE or no? No. I Well, I don't know if he's currently contracted. No, Lesnar's not. Lesnar's Lesnar's a free agent, correct. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. But you think about it. Lashley all, went in and, and 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 really followed Lesnar's path. Went in as well, a wrestler. Been, yeah. Went to the to the big time, did Bellator, you know, obviously Lesnar went to UFC. You know, they kind of diverged paths, then Lesnar went back to wrestling. Of course, Lashley did too, but he didn't go to WWE. He went right. to Impact and, and had his whole thing. But that was really the vi- revitalization of his career as an mm-hmm. in-ring worker, right? They gave him the belt and had confidence in him, and it showed him what he could do. There's also the aspect that Bobby's been openly wanting a Lesnar match for years now. And that's that's really all he wants. And I, I, it makes no sense as to why it doesn't happen unless Vince just doesn't want Lesnar to lose. I don't know. I think that at this point you tell them to do a work shoot because they're both fighters. Like, you want to punch each other a little bit harder? We're not going to stop you, but work the match how we it, know. But, uh, there's a couple things that, A, you're going to get – Lashley versus Drew or Lashley versus probably Randy Orton next or something. They'll, they'll do some bullshit like that just to keep just to keep opponents going to him. You're probably going to get, if they keep the belt on Lashley for a while, you'll probably get him versus uh, Reigns at some point. They'll have to turn one of them face at some point, but, but you know what I see you're probably going to get prior to Lesnar Lashley, honestly, what you're probably going to get Goldberg Lashley first. <sighs> Seriously, I like. I don't like it either. I don't like it at all either. But Lesnar's only coming back for a shitload, like a Brinks truck worth of money, and once the pandemic's done, yeah, like he's he's visibly. Like, that's the reason he's not there. Period. That's why he's a free agent. That's why he hasn't resigned with him yet. But and the only person in Vince's mind that's a substitute for Brock is Goldberg. And we know that Goldberg still has at least one or two matches left on his contract that we're aware of. But either way, just looking at Mania itself, looking at the show itself, right call, right time. Um, the Hurt Business being broken up still a fucking mess because now we may be getting two new members of the Hurt Business as per Monday night uh, when uh, I hate fucking saying the names, but T-Bar and Mace attacked uh, McIntyre at the end of his match seemingly at the behest of uh, MVP, which could be two new members of the Hurt Business, or it could be that they're just mercenaries, which would probably be better either way. Um, it still ends with Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander on the scrap heap and pro- surprisingly not released, honestly. Uh, so We'll get to the releases later. Well, no, hold on, but I have a different question because I do have another thought that might be an unexpected. There is a genuine X factor in the whole story that you and I have not spoken on. MVP. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, and I just want to say a couple things. Okay, so before he came back, MVP to me was one of those best that never wasn't 
you know? Right. Because he's never been honestly properly given an opportunity to hold the big gold and be the guy. Even for a minute. Even for a Chris Jericho moment of time when he beat Triple H and then it was reversed. You know what I'm talking about? Like that, And that's another thing we got to talk about, too. We'll get to that in a minute. But back to it. Honestly, bro, how fucking dope and poetic if it was a face turn from MVP and he challenged Lashley and then took the title off him just for a moment, again, a breather moment to do something totally different. It would be totally different and interesting, which is why we won't see it in WWE. But uh, but you know what's crazy? <laughs> you said that Lashley wouldn't win because it's WWE, and no, they're I starting know. to I kind know. of prove that someone, and I don't know who it is in the in the writing room, is saying, y'all, this shit's too predictable. It's boring. It's so predictable. And that's why they've started to do unexpected shit. And well, we he, saw a lot of that in this WrestleMania. Here's here's my argument. It's that that they they try and they actually, you know, put the effort into being unpredictable and shit when Mania's coming up. And then as soon as Mania's over, they go right back to their bullshit, which is what they've done this week. If you want to be completely honest. Um, there's a reason that the next pay-per-view is not called Backlash. It's called WrestleMania Backlash. I saw so, that. So guess how many prediction is that most of the feuds from Mania are going to continue on to Backlash because we just don't feel like ending them yet. And to be fair, that's what we have so far is you have Drew McIntyre winning a number one contenders match. You have last night Cesaro getting interfered with by Rollins. So we're probably just getting a rehash of Mania. WrestleMania rehash, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, That's, there's the episode title, WrestleMania, WrestleMania Rehash. Rehash, yep. WrestleMania Rehash. Um, but, again, just for the constraints of WrestleMania itself, right time, right decision, right show. So, all credit to them for putting Ashley over. I didn't see it coming. I'm happy they did it. Um, moving on from there, and I don't have these in correct order, so I do apologize. I believe the next match was um, the women's tag team gauntlet. Which I happened. <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the extent of what I can say. Is that you know what pissed me off about that is they had genuine build to a good finish. Um, and it, it was the uh, what team was left? It was it was an Italian team ended up winning, and I think it was um, I think it was uh, Carmel. No, it wasn't Carmel and Billy. I think what? it was. Uh, um, Dana and Mandy. Dana and, Dana and Mandy were the last two. Yeah. So Dana and Mandy actually had like a little it bit. You, it should tell you how interesting it was that we had, couldn't remember who the last two teams were. Well, no, that 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 tells you enough. But obviously, this is the feeder match to the next night, you know. And they've done this a couple times now. Last year, this year, and we've had it on other shows where night one feeds into a match for night two because mm-hmm. it builds hype. New Japan does that shit. Like, yeah. it's a good marketing tactic. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, but. They had so many talented ladies in that match, and they could have done such greater things and didn't. And they could have had, in my opinion, and maybe it makes sense, like you had, like, essentially it's like Earth 1 versus Earth 2, Tamina and fucking uh, Natalia versus fucking Shayna and uh, Naya. It's like the, mm-hmm. you know, mirrored images of the same kind of coin, but you have better stories to tell and they're just not doing it. I don't see the women tag titles being a thing for very much longer. Like it would not shock me if they bench them temporarily or like don't utilize them at some point. I don't, 
I don't think so, just because they just introduced women's tag titles for NXT. So that gives them reason to have women tagging together and continuity into the main card. But that's just my take on it. As far as the match goes here, like, look at the teams involved. You have the Riot Squad, which is a legit tag team, so of course they lost. You have uh, Dana and Mandy, who have been functioning as an actual tag team for a while. Of course, they lost too. Um, you have Lana and Naomi, which there was a decent story that could be told between Lana and Nia on a main stage, but no, they're out first. Uh, so Naomi gets pushed farther and farther down the card for reasons known but to God. I'm not even a big fan of hers. I still think she's getting done badly. Where are they? Um, yeah. Um, and then you get Carmella and Billy. Well, we know why they didn't win because Billy got shit canned two nights later. Um, but the problem is you're trying to build the suspense and you're trying to build things up. And you have, on the one hand, Naya and uh, Baszler, who no one likes. Like, let's be honest with you. Looking at fan reaction, looking at critical reaction, no one cares about Nia Jax. No one wants to see her wrestle at this point. Zero. Zero. I think people. same could be said for Shayna because of how they built well, her. They uh, did great I, things with her only to take it away, and it's that they, whole Roman ruined, thing. They've yeah. ruined Shayna. Like, they've ruined Shayna. They've completely taken away. They've defanged her, essentially. Like, every bit of instant, interesting thing she had in NXT and then coming into WWE, they've taken away from her. She's lost two. Uh, prior to and post uh, uh, WrestleMania, so the week before and the week after, she lost to Natalya on a roll-up. So we have on the champions who no one wants to steer, no one really, and not even like go away heel heat. It's we don't care. Get off of our screens. We, we're done. You're not worth we our time. Um, and we're going to pair them up against Natalya and Tamina who have been tagging for like maybe three weeks or at least in the same orbit for about three weeks and have had a story for less than two about wanting to be taken seriously. And, you know, while Natty's a good hand in the ring and people like her for that, no one's clamoring for a Natty push and no one's clamoring. Less people are clamoring for a Tamina push, despite the fact that people cheered for Tamina on night two. I mean, we might as well talk about the match from night two now as it's part and parcel, but you actually had the crowd chanting for Tamita. My thinking, not because they like Tamita, but because they're just tired of fucking Naya. Hey, this is something that's not Naya. Awesome. Yeah. But you have the two least over teams contending for a match and a heel versus heel match, no less. While you're, while you're benching the actual tag teams and the riot squad. And uh, I have them listed as what Oscar called them as the sexy muscle friends is Dana and, and Mandy. She laughed about it and called them that a couple of times, so that's always what I've had headcanon them as. Sexy muscle um, friends. And hell, even if you're going to release Billy and, Billy and Peyton on Monday, and you know you're going to, and don't tell me that they didn't know it, that they didn't know that, but you could have put the two of them together for a one-night-only thing. Literally, you would have got a... I'm, ten, I'm telling you, bro, this is what we were talking about in the texts, and we're kind of slipping into the releases a well, little bit we'll, here. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get there, but... I even Even with... My opinion on them notwithstanding, that would have been a good pop. They're over with the fans. I, I will acknowledge the fact that I'm in the minority and not liking them, but they are over with the fans. Iconic. You know, I like yeah. them. They're good. Anyway, so, I mean, the less said about the tag team match, the, when the most entertaining thing on that entire fucking match was Mandy slipping and falling on the rain-soaked ramp, it's not a good thing. That was funny as shit. 
Well, they played it up for the next couple of nights too. So it's, of course, they're going to talk about it. Um, they followed that up, I believe, with uh, New Day and, you know, they, they followed that up with um, Cesaro Rollins, I think. I do. I think that was the match order. I think Cesaro Rollins was next. And fucking great match. Like, hey, what do you know? Everybody expected it would be. And people really are fucking behind Cesaro. And it was a great match. And that's really, I mean, congratulations on to the dude for getting a final, like fucking getting a WrestleMania singles win. Yeah, um, that was a good-ass story they told with that, too. Good story, good match. The build was great to it. It's one of those things where when WWE does things simply and just gets out of their own fucking way, it actually is pretty good. And they've already tried to ruin it the next week, so they really... Okay, I'm not going to talk too much about last night's SmackDown. I'm really not because I, there wasn't much to it. However, all the organic overness that Cesaro had, everybody's cheering for him. You know, people are naturally getting behind him, right? Naturally. I say that with emphasis. Naturally getting behind him. Yeah. You know what we had last night? Uh-oh. Last night, you have Cesaro coming out to challenge Reigns, which, hey, cool. Um, And then we have a main event of of Reigns ducking Cesaro and putting Jey Uso in his place, which is true to character for him as well. And okay. it was a decent match in between. Um, and you had Seth interfering and costing Cesaro the match, or no, I guess giving Cesaro the DQ win, but continuing that feud, which, okay, whatever. I, I, I'm accepting that at this point. However, in between, so in between opening the show and closing the show, they showed highlights of Cesaro doing that UFO move, the airplane spin and no hands. Cool move, right? Really yeah. cool move. He's done, he's done it since he was in Chikara. They showed that highlight I believe either four or five times on a two hour show. Why? I don't Well, It's because it's WWE and they're, they are taking something that was naturally getting over and now they're going to turn it into the Fandango dance. It's like, Hey, Hey, look how cool that was. Hey, you saw that, right? Hey, we're that's, a, that's popular. Now that's a good thing. You should cheer for him. You should cheer for him. You should cheer this move. I think I, uh, I actually tweeted out something like, Hey, welcome back to, uh, uh, UFO Night Smackdown, where the UFO superstars are taking on each other in UFO matches, and fucking uh, when they do the UFO move, and just everybody should be UFOing all the time. UFO hashtag UFO. That's exactly what it felt like. Literally, they Aliens. showed. They made a point to not only talk about the move, but go back and show. Hey, have you seen this? This was the greatest part of that WrestleMania match. Here's a highlight of it. Four times. Minimum four times. So they're taking something that was naturally getting over and they're going to beat it into the ground. And probably by this time in a month and a half, nobody's going to want to see Cesaro again. hate to say it, but it's what they're going to do. Side note, the Riot Squad was the last team standing against... uh... Were they? Yes. And that's why I was more for them. That's why I was like, wait, I wouldn't have been cheering for Dana, but the Riot Squad winning would have been awesome. They're a team that has long deserved a push to the spotlight. I'm, I've am i notably not been the biggest fan of Liv Morgan, and I'm still kind of on the fence. I respect the hell of her for what she does, and she's gotten better. Um, but I've never been the hugest fan of her. I am a big fan of Ruby Riot, not least because she's built from Lafayette, Indiana. I knew, but... <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. Not least because of that, but also, I mean, anybody that wears Misfits tags on their gear on the way to the match is good. So right. Look who I'm talking to. Um, I'm a fan. Yep. Shout out to uh, uh, also to Kyle O'Reilly who wore Misfits gear uh, on uh, Takeover as well. What? 
uh, he wore a misfit shirt, I think, under his like denim vest or whatever, as he showed up for the show that night. That's awesome. Um, yep, we'll get to that in a, in a little bit here. We're really, I'm trying, trying to speed this up a little bit because we got a lot of shit to cover. Um, so after that, we have Cesaro Rollins, we have Bad Bunny and uh, uh, Damian Priest versus Miz and Morrison. Which nah, was, you again, had the almost match first. Was it was okay? Was it New Day versus almost? Yeah, because because definitely that was one that threw me off, but was also amazing, but was also like. Again, when WWE does shit good, they do it amazing. Almost. Debut match. WrestleMania. Almost. Yeah. Debut match. Yeah, WrestleMania looked spectacle. amazing. Yeah, spectacle. I, I still don't know what he's capable of in the ring because he only did like four moves. But it's just, he's, he's giant Gonzalez. That's all you really need. I will say there's he's only great, one thing about him. Colleague. When he was, yeah, the only thing, the only thing, I agree with those sentiments. I think he's a little bit more athletic, but... I think that he's got a curb being happy that he's in a ring actually performing because he was smiling a lot and really oh, yeah, like enjoying happy. himself. He seemed to be very happy. And I was well, like, this motherfucker a- is just having a good-ass time you gotta think, playing. He's been on WWE programming for over a year now because he originally debuted as the giant ninja in Tazawa's crew. And then he was the giant bouncer for Shane McMahon on Raw Underground. And then he spent the last like six months as AJ's giant friend. As, as Billy Crystal's my giant. Yep. You know, um, so, I mean, really just getting to perform is probably making him happy at all, but I mean, fuck it, fun, whatever. It's not like the New Day. The New Day's safe. They can lose as many times. They 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 can take the loss without really having an issue. They are seeing, legendary status at this point. Yeah, seeing AJ do the phenomenal forearm off of Omos's shoulders, cool, fine, I'm cool with it. Although almost, almost He almost boofed fell, it. Yeah. Yep, he, he definitely almost, almost boofed it. He like, whoa, but hey, he's AJ. Um, so we followed that with Bad Bunny and Priest versus the uh, Miz nope. Morrison. Still didn't. God damn it. No, it was Braun and Shane. And this is oh, why. Okay, been... never mind. There's a reason I, I fucking blocked that one out. Never mind. So um, that's what hey, the... I, I was going to get to quickly is the shocker of this is that the Bad Bunny match was the co-main event I of like... night one. That's true. So well, not really, not really that shocking considering how much how much focus and money they put into it. So. True, 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 true. So, but, so, but this Braun Shane steel cage match, not a lot to speak about. It's a Shane match at Mania. Bumps, shock. Ah, um, but I gotta give him credit. They did have a new spot that I hadn't seen before. That, that was fu- the cage. Over. The ripping the neat. cage and pulling him. That was amazing. Yep, that I was loved cool. that. I, I like Braun wrestling without a shirt because he looks like less of a uh, giant Hardy brother. So I don't mind that. I wish he ditched the gardener's gloves because they look really bad. He looks like the world's angriest landscaper. <laughs> but, um, uh, but yeah, cool spot. We're ripping the cage open. Um, and then Shane, love him or hate him, give credit where credit's due. Shane takes big bumps. I'm disappointed that no one came off the top of the uh, the WrestleMania boat, but whatever. Definitely thought um, that it was going to be... Uh, when Shane didn't, I thought KO was going to, but no, we never got it. Um so other than that, there's no really, not really much to say about the Braun thing. Um, so getting into uh, Bunny Priest versus uh, Miz and Morrison. And really, the only thing that needs to be said is that Bunny acquitted himself very well. Uh, he had a Pat McAfee-esque match. Homeboy might not be great on this. Okay, I'm glad you said it like that because he is the wrestling, like the in-ring work side that Pat's not, not to say Pat's bad, but like Pat is already an athlete. 
So to see him in a ring is like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, of course you can do some shit. Right. Bad Bunny is a musician, and he had my jaw on the floor three or four different times like, he just did that shit? It, it's funny that he threw more believable punches than Shane. <laughs> yeah. My other thing, uh, too, is like, this dude, you know he put the work in if he was able to execute a Canadian Destroyer outside the uh, the yeah, ring. On the floor. On the floor. And no one got hurt. That was on Morrison, right? Yep. It was flawless. It was yeah, the fucking most perfect Canadian to, to be, destroyer. To be fair, I'd rather have Morrison take that than Miz because A, Morrison's a hell of a lot more athletic than Miz. That's true. To say nothing against Miz, Miz is jacked to shit. Have you seen him lately? Miz is in good shape. Miz or Morrison is also the fucking parkour guy that I can trust to be more flexible. True. Also, Morrison has a history of working with Lucha Underground, AAA, Impact, where they've done a lot more destroyers. And I don't think Miz has ever taken one. Whereas Morrison's taken a ton. So, yeah, so he knows the mechanic right call, of it. Right call there. Right call there. Definitely. But yeah, Bad Bunny put in it's it's the comparison to McAfee's valid because you can tell it's somebody who loves the loves the business, loves being there. It's not just there to get a paycheck, not just there to get a pop, is there because he's living out a dream and is putting the work into it. That's all you gotta say. Absolutely. So props to Bad Bunny for it. I don't understand why he came in on a semi. I don't get it, but I also don't listen to his music, so I don't know if that's maybe that's a gimmick that I'm not aware of. I don't know, but uh, oh, he also hit a pretty good looking. Uh, they hit tandem uh, Falcon arrows. Yeah, they did. Which that looked good, and that's credit to Bad Bunny because he got. I think it was Miz got Miz up for it, and that's not a small human being. No, he's not. So credit to you, man. Um, and then uh, uh, the match of the night is the women's match. Um. And it's rightfully being called one of the better ma- WrestleMania matches ever. Um, I, I, I can't really find – there's nothing bad to say about it. Um, full disclosure, I'm not going to come out and say it's the greatest match I've ever seen because, full disclosure, I was pretty hammered by the time that match came on. So I was aware of what was happening in the ring, but I was not paying as much attention as I probably should have been. I've watched it since. It is a great match. Don't get me wrong. It is a fantastic match. Um, I just wish I didn't experience it the same way everybody else did to my own, to my own fault. Um, But right decision made right two people. You cannot argue that Sasha does not go all fucking out when the chips are down. Oh yeah. She goes all out every, every moment of the day, but she elevates people in a way that most other people can't. Oh bro. Before we, I, I need to, uh, I got to pick something up. I just dropped, so you're good. Well, that works out perfectly because I just remember we totally forgot something that I wanted to mention about the Damian Priest uh, Bad Bunny match. Shoot. Well, how about the fact that Damian Priest's dick almost killed him? You sure you're not talking about uh, uh, McIntyre? Oh, it was McIntyre. It was was, McIntyre. It was the first match. That was was Drew's dive. Yeah, the giant giant Undertaker tope over the top where... uh, the slow-mo got a little too slow. <laughs> the nope. Yeah, the nope because he donged himself quite literally. When you, when, you know, we've never claimed to be a PG show, so I can't really say that we're, I'm going to offend anyone listening. But when you see it on slow-mo moving back and forth because he clipped it on the top rope, that's not something I really want a, a visual image of. Now, <laughs> it's like down, 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 a good, down, a good, down, a good down, portion down, of the down. audience. I was on Twitter at that point. A good portion of the audience really enjoyed it. <laughs> so you got to do something for the ladies. I'm not going to lie, but <laughs> not something, not what I was tuning into Peacock to see. Not, not the Peacock I intended to watch on my TV. 
Oh, God, I kind of hate myself for that one. <laughs> Good joke, but I hate myself for that. Hey, we're back. Oh, my God. I can't believe you um, just said that. I, that might that might be your, your title of the show. That might be your episode. I don't not know. I don't think people... We, nope. People not are not the gonna, peacock we were looking for. Nope. People will not tune yeah. into a, a dick joke. <laughs> We've already done it before. <laughs> it's true, but let's not eclipse... The women's match with a dick. Yeah. Because that's (laughs) (laughs) not how you want to do it, man. Yeah. Anyway. This match was amazing. I will say the most shocking bump of the match wasn't even a bump. The hair whip? Dude. Holy fuck. Props to Sasha for taking it, for one. I love the fact, and I, I, I love that she's been on the roster for a full year now. Bianca has. Full year. Yep. Without using that without doing the hair whip once. Even though it was a big part of her character when she was heelish on NXT. Yeah. They kept it under wraps until the time was right. And here's the cool thing about Sasha and the fact that she is the Eddie Guerrero disciple that she is. Her first her first instinct in a match isn't to have big spots, it's to tell a story. Yep. And what does she do throughout that match? She used that hair as a weapon herself. Pulling her into the turnbuckles, using, using it, it as like statement. a essentially a tug of war. P- using it, uh, wrapping her up in the bank statement with it. That was amazing. The arm pull bank statement with the mm-hmm. uh, with, with the hair. Bianca's hair was with, crazy with the ponytail. So Sasha wove that in throughout the match, and then, like any good heel, gets undone by her own hubris and takes that snap right across the stomach, which she had a welt last night. On SmackDown, six days after the fact, still has a welt, which you may have a scar from that for a while. Well, I can tell you, listen, I have a scar on my arm from where I was whipped with a towel Mm -hmm. in uh, McDonald's. It was a wet, frayed towel that sliced my skin open. So that hair slicing her open, that shit's going to leave a scar. Here's the thing that I want to, you want to know how hard that actually hit. The welt's one thing. Think of the sound that that made. Oh, yeah. Now, here's the thing. That show is outdoors with thousands of people. And that shit echoed. That shit bounced off the walls. (laughs) She hit her with every ounce of of force. Yes. Think of how loud that would have been right there. Think of how much that force that would have had to generate to make that sound. Damn! Did, did Sasha <laughs> did Sasha p- post any pictures of, uh, uh, no, of the no, aftermath? She, she didn't, but I mean, you could pretty clearly see it. Um, right, I mean, right after the match ended, like when she was laying on the on the like the ramp outside, you know, recovering or whatever, she had a welt already, and that was less than probably a minute in. Um, no, last night on SmackDown, they were doing an interview with her. And it wasn't really an interview because she didn't say anything. She was too upset to talk. She was angry. But at one point she looked down and saw, made a point to point out the welt on her stomach still again, six days after the fact. So that may stick around a while. Okay. I love it. So but yeah, that's night one. Um, night two. Uh, we started. I've got it right here, bro. Oh, oh yeah. Started the card with the Randy and the fiend. I don't even want to talk about it. Why? It was so bad. Bad? It was so fucking bad. 
I think it was short, and I think they could have done more, but I, I thought it was interesting. With the story they've already told with those characters, there's not a lot more you can do. There's not a lot more shock factor and fire and crazy shit you can do. And I think the bigger story, and I, and I, and I didn't think, I wasn't sure they were going to go this route yet, but the bigger story is Alexa the Fiend. That has been the story they've been building for well, almost a year now, right? At least eight to ten months. Yeah. So you're but building he, this whole fiend and Alexa thing, and that she is really the more all powerful being, and that you know Bray is the pretender. This could be the return of Bray Wyatt proper, and the actual the death of the fiend. Here, here's the problem with that: is that this story with him and Orton has been drug out for the better part of a year now. Three. Well, it feels like three because one of them was 2021 or 2020 rather. But yeah, but they had feud been, in 2018 been, as well, though. No, I'm saying I'm saying the fiend and the fiend. Oh, fiend specifically, specifically, not Bray. Fiend specifically, yeah. Gotcha. Um, this has been drug out and drug out and drug out and drug out, and it started with a fucking inferno match. Like it started with somebody being burned to death, and then we get Bray off screen for however long, and we get Papa Shango shenanigans, and we get overacting and we get Randy talking to a clone of himself and just this dumb shit that wasn't designed to be telling a story. I'm sorry. It's not, it's not designed to anybody. Maybe Bray thinks it's telling a story and maybe there's a story in his mind and I'd hope that there is, but all it is is just tune in next week to see what happens next. It's just dragging it out for another week. This was, this was a dog that should have been taken out and shot two months ago. But they had to drag it out to WrestleMania because it's WrestleMania. It's a WrestleMania feud. But then they make it, they, they kind of foreshadowed that it wasn't going to be anything special by making it just a basic match. They put no stipulations on it, they put nothing on it. And then we have The Fiend with his brand new makeup and brand new everything that gets hand wiped away in a you know, Star Wars wipe shot before he gets to the ring. So now we're back to original mask and stuff where the crispy critter Bray is gone. Um, we have 10 minutes of Alexa coming out in a giant Jack in the box, which we get nothing out of other than a, an interesting visual of Bray coming up out of it. And then we have a five minute, maybe 10 minute, nothing match. Five minutes, 50 seconds, five minutes of absolutely nothing. Like a raw, not even a raw main event level match that had no storytelling. It had no big spots. It had no awe factor. Has Bray, the unstoppable superhuman devil himself of a fiend, getting distracted by Alexa, which, yes, there's story that can be mined from that. But you had this what the fuck moment of Alexa coming out and spewing and bubbling and all this bullshit. And then the fiend going down to a single RKO. Randy walks out, winning the feud. The the heel won the feud. The guy that burned the fiend alive, that committed capital murder in the ring, wins the feud and walks off to a number one contenders match on Raw the next night, without any mention of it the next night. We have no interaction whatsoever between Alexa and and Orton, despite the fact that that's who's been carrying the feud for the last three months. It was a they they got to the end of the Orton. What, what seems to have happened, they had a great story in mind. 
they jumped the shark with the fire and then they went, oh shit, we've got to drag this out to Mania still because we can't not play this off at Mania. We have nothing else written for these two. We're going to keep Bray off for two months. We're not going to play off any of the shit that's happened in the intervening two months between Alexa and Orton. We, and we get to finally we get to Mania and we go, I don't know that. I have no idea what, what the fuck to do next. We, we're written into a corner. So, RKO, yay, bye. Did, did, your, that was it. did your Alexa just say, yes. I don't yes, know that did. when yes, you said did. that did. you didn't it know? Did. I'm glad it we did. just caught that shit in real time because that was creepy. Yes, it did. That was more creepy than the Fiends match. So, um, but yeah, it was a it was a build up that hit the wall and then just completely petered out. And they followed it up on Raw by saying, "By now they're going to split Alexa from the Fiend because Alexa is the new. She discovered a new evil that's more powerful than the Fiend, and she's she's more powerful. So now we're going to get Alexa and Bray probably in a feud somehow. But that'd be again, cool." Yes and no, because again, they're not telling a story. They're just giving you something to watch until next week. They're just they're just stringing everything along. I think the fiend is really pissed at you for talking shit. All these things have been happening. You had like a vibration go on. Your Alexa started yelling at you. Next thing you know, the Kool Aid Man is gonna bust in through your accordion door and be like, "Oh yeah, fucking take me now." You know what? I, I I want to like I like Bray Wyatt. I've got a fucking Bray Wyatt pop sitting over my TV. I I've loved Bray Wyatt for years. Matter of fact, when we did the intro for our show, when we did the new intro, the new recording intro for our show, you asked me for promos. The first thing I gave you was a Bray Wyatt promo. Very first thing. I love Wyndham Rotunda, his mind for wrestling is fantastic. What WWE is doing for him, despite the fact that they're giving him time and air is completely cutting off everything he wants to do with the knees. That wasn't me. Wasn't me either. That one wasn't that one. I didn't ring. I didn't buzz. I didn't buzz. Maybe that... I did. Maybe I did. My, <laughs> well, okay, so here's the funny thing. is My phone is sitting on my desk, which is on vibrate mode, and I think it may have actually been a group chat message, possibly. But um, my boom mic that I have attached here to my desk is also, again, attached to the wood of the desk so anytime and i'm gonna you want to hear a weird noise i'm gonna make a weird noise just fyi anytime that there's any kind of an impact or vibration to the boom arm or to the desk which desk being boom arm being you're gonna hear weird shit oh you may notice i tend to fidget a lot i have a little piece of metal that i you know gesture around with a lot say a leather working tool that i happen to have on my desk um I made a I made the mistake the other day of dicking around with this while I had the headphones on. The mic picks up everything, puts everything through the headset, even when we're not on Zoom. And I just happened to touch this metal piece against the boom arm, the spring that runs wow. across the boom arm. No, the spring that runs across the boom arm. And welcome to ASMR, <laughs> the fucking journey into wrestling show. Um but I'm pretty sure what may have happened is my phone vibrated and it ran across the desk, picked up into the arm. Nice. I'm so let's, surprised my dog didn't recognize that. Let's buzz through this night to yes, a mania. <laughs> lots left to talk about. Yes, still. lots left. Um, so we go from uh, Wyatt Norton to, I think, was Biggie Cruz next or was Owen? No. It was um, Shayna. It was the tag match. Oh, yeah. Okay. It was the tag match. Oh, that's right. Because we went from one match that had that killed the crowd to another match that killed so the crowd. So let me tell you this, though. This second match, second longest of night two. 
no shock because you can't have Naya and Tamina working a quick match. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about that one. I don't care. No one cares. The people in the ring were the ones that cared about that. And that was, it's sad. You feel bad for Tamina. Tamina, you feel bad for Naya. Well, no, you don't feel bad for Naya. You feel bad for Natalia. You feel bad for Baszler. I don't feel bad for any of them. I feel bad that I had to watch this shit. It was yeah. a bad match. I wasn't into it. Right. They retained whatever. I'm What's over next it. On the card? What's next on the card? Then, on night two, we had a match that I was a fan of. The Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn match. Well, yeah. That yeah. Uh, even they even dropped the Battleground reference, which is like they didn't hide the fact that since Battleground, when that was the last time they were ever supposed to fight, they fought each other 497 goddamn more times since then and have <laughs> hey, literally fought- been drafted on the same show every draft. Hey, you want to know they, they fought last night on SmackDown, too. <laughs> um, Nate's off the show. Yeah, Joking, so joking on this one because I love those two. <laughs> and they tell great stories in the ring. They have great matches, honestly, as I put these headphones back I'm on. I'm loving, watching, I'm loving right. watching Nate try to kill time while he puts the headphones back on. I was he's also talking. talking. To, I know he's, cu- he's talking to cover dead air because he's struggling to get the headphones on. Real talk. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a great match because those two are not capable of having a bad match together. And we did finally get Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens in WrestleMania. It may not have been the alignments that we expected or the match that we wanted, but the fans, we finally got Kevin Steen and El Generico in a WrestleMania ring. Now, hope to God that someday we actually get that match, El Generico and Kevin Steen. I want Sami Zayn to get hit in the head to come back as El Generico. I want it. Or at least face Sami Zayn from NXT. That's what I want. Give me, give me take over our Evolution's main event at WrestleMania, and I'm gonna, I'll be a happy camper. I'll stop talking bad about WWE. There you go. Maybe, maybe doubtful, but maybe. Um, even Logan Paul being involved in it wasn't bad enough. So, and he all he did was really take a stunner at the end of the match. So cool. He was the celebrity pop that we were all afraid the Bad Bunny was going to be. Yeah, and it actually worked nicely of being Logan Paul, who can go out there and actually fight, and he was kind of hyping up his, he has a fight tonight i think actually or last night i he's fight he's real life Taboo. fighting ben Askren, who is a former i think UFC. i mentioned last week on the, i think i mentioned on the last show that i before him showing up on wwe programming i didn't know who he was uh, just no, a no, youtuber no I, was, no I was talking to him i was talking about that to somebody else on Mania night one or night two that i had no idea who he was um so what followed that would that be seamus riddle Moving on. Um, other than Sheamus winning. Okay, uh, so he's a U.S. champ again. Cool. Big deal. Yep. Big whoop. Want to talk about it? Not really. Yeah, Apollo Big on. E. Well, hold on. Oh. Guess who on the next night on Raw? Guess who was on Raw and guess who wasn't? Riddle wasn't. And uh, Sheamus was. Yeah, let's reverse that. Wait, what? Riddle, Riddle had a match with Lashley to open Raw. Sheamus wasn't on the show at all. But he's your U.S. Riddle, champ? Riddle got two segments. Sheamus got none. Um, the rumor is that it was originally supposed to be Keith Lee that was supposed to win the, the title originally. It wasn't even supposed to be Riddle. Oh, like he it's, uh, Keith Lee's had some, I, I guess, health issues of some sort. We don't know, but he's been off screen for a couple of months. So originally that spot was supposed to be Keith Lee's. So them taking the belt back off of Riddle is just kind of getting back to the status quo of sorts. It's probably going to push Riddle up the card a little bit, which I don't want to see, but whatever. Uh, I do want to say as much as I can't stand the character and as much as the guy backstage seems to be a prick, um, Matt Riddle, credit where credit's due, is a hell of a wrestler and took a nasty, 
nasty spot to end that match. The uh, not quite V trigger, not quite road kick, bicycle knee, while in midair taking that straight to the fucking mouth, flipping <laughs> him upside down. That was crazy, yeah. bro. Uh, Unexpected. I don't know if that was a botch. I don't know if that was meant to be a bro kick and Seamus had to pull up short because the distancing was weird. Uh, but yeah, he took that knee straight to the dome and that was a props to you for that. He came up bloody. Um, following that up, I believe is big E cruise. Is that right? Yep. Which I, I'm not thrilled. Um, I really wanted them to keep the title on big E because I think he's deserved it. And I think there's a, a, he had cut a promo about wanting to take the intercontinental belt for a year, hold it for a year and then challenge at mania for the title and unify them. Like I I'm here for that. And I think Biggie deserves the mania singles win. at the same time. I also understand they're trying to push this new character for Cruz. They debuted a, you know, a heavy for him. Redebuted a heavy for him. Um, and the match wasn't bad. I hate having the, the fuck finish, but whatever. I really didn't like that a Nigerian drum match just meant there was a bunch of percussion instruments. Jimbe's and gongs, yeah. Like, that was they pretty really fucking racist. That's what that was, WWE. That was pretty fucking racist. See, well, I like, think our yeah. idea was a lot cooler. If you'd have just had a drum line around the ring yeah, you needed that was, like, nerves. live reacting yeah. to the yes. match... Oh, yes. it would have been fucking cool as shit. To me, what it honestly feels like was that they pitched that maybe even Apollo and Biggie pitched the idea of the drum fight, and Vince went, "Oh yeah, cool," and then went completely the other direction with it because he had no idea what it was. Um, both Apollo and Biggie both embrace heritage enough that I can see them wanting to do the the full on Black Panther drum fight, which would have been cool. But I'm getting the impression that Vince took it and went the other direction because he had no idea what they were talking about. I, I laughed in the middle of the match because I'm like, oh, this is just a symphony of destruction matches. That's that's what it is. It's the Elias symphony of destruction match, only it's drums and just drums that weren't used at all. Um, I I do have to laugh at the fact that uh, we got the official introduction of the heavy last night, which is uh, Babatundi. I I'm going to fuck his name up. His real name is Babatundi Ayakbusi, I do believe. Right. Um who, if you remember, was Dabakato in Raw Underground. Um, you know, at least at least they're acknowledging that Nate's actually walking off the show this time. Um, and what's funny is I'm going to make him walk right back off since he puts the headphones back on. Um, I think Nate might have actually tried to go to sleep. He's just leaning over the, over the couch now. Um, so, yeah, he was originally debuted as Dabakato on Raw Underground. And uh, as of last night on SmackDown, and Nate, don't be too comfortable because I get the feeling this is going to be the same reaction. Let me just hold they, on. No, uh, wait. Just wait. Just wait. I'm going to get ready for this one. Um, if I'm going to walk off the show, I'm going to do it big this time. Yep. So. Okay. Let me get, let me get myself <laughs> in position here. Adjust some shit. Move my path. Okay. Tell me the dumbest shit you're about to say. So they reintroduced him last night. Uh, Apollo introduced him. He was wearing full military garb, not camo, but uh, like Nigerian warlord style, like olive olive garb with the shoulder epaulets and the what looks to be tags and everything. Beret as well. Um, I 
don't think he had the beret on. Okay. If I'm not, if I can't if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But reintroduced him as Commander Aziz, formerly of the Nigerian Royal Guard. Bye, Nate. <laughs> and he gone. Um, yeah, Commander Aziz of the Nigerian Royal Guard. You know who moonlighted as a cage fighter or underground fighter on Shane McMahon's uh, midlife crisis. Um, which makes me kind of sad as well because he also fought in Evolve for a while as Baba Tunde and was a legitimate, just a hoss. Like he wasn't, didn't have a big, you know, overtly racist or Kumite esque character, but was just a big hoss and did fairly well at Evolve. Can I come back? Am I allowed? You can, can I come, come back? back? Yes, this, it's okay. Is General Aziz dead yet? Is this over? Are we back to normal? Did the world go back to normal because I walked off? I don't think it did. That's my guess. Let's see. Hello. Hello, sir. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, they haven't written him off. They only had him on for one show so far, but yeah. Fuck. Commander Aziz, formerly of the Nigerian Royal Guard, you know, again, who moonlighted in Shane McMahon's midlife crisis. Um, it's, it, it honestly reeks of fucking uh, Iron Sheik and... Sergeant, Sergeant Slaughter, yep. turn, the heel turn. I maybe they can salvage it. Maybe I have my doubts. No, <clears throat> but nope. you feel bad for somebody debuting and getting the legs cut out immediately. Feel bad for Apollo Cruz who doesn't need that when he just orbited from winning a title. Well, here's the it thing: pull, it pulls it down. I, I'm telling you, it does. It does. But I'm also going to say that Apollo needs all the help he can get in the sense of charisma in the ring. He's fine in the ring. He's great. However, we've said for two years on this show now that he is a charisma black hole. True. He is the, he's the tinier version of Bobby Lashley. Very true. But this does give him a character. It's the first time he's honestly had a character in WWE. He's committing to it. You know, I don't want to come out and call it outright racist because he and Biggie are both involved in it, which makes me think that's not being done for racial reasons, it's being done again. We mentioned on the show that Apollo does have Nigerian Nigerian heritage. His name on the Indies was Uha Nation. So I mean, there's this is echoing back a little bit to an indie character for him, which makes me think this is his idea. Now it's the WWE version of it, which is where you get the General Aziz or Commander Aziz or whatever bullshit, but. Give it a chance. I, I rarely will you ever hear me say this with WWE, but give them a chance. Give them a chance to not fuck it up. I guess. Okay. I don't know. Um, moving on from there, uh, it was Oscar Ripley, I believe. Yes, it was Oscar which, and Ripley. Which they fought two nights in a row. They fought Mania night two, and then they fought on Raw. <clears throat> um, those two don't seem to have the greatest of chemistry. I'm not. I'm just going to throw this out there that. Both of them are fantastic wrestlers. We've seen them both do fantastic work with other people, but for some reason, the two of them just do not seem to click. Um, the raw match they had af- on uh, the night after was not good. Like it was botchy as hell. Um, there was a few spots in the mini match that were just kind of gnarly. Like the DDT to the outside uh, just no. looked kind of sloppy, I guess is the best word for it. And that's surprising coming from the two of them. Like, neither of them have had bocce or sloppy matches in the past. So I think you can chalk it up to just being, they just don't click. 
Um, I, the comparison I make in my head is Kevin Owens and AJ Styles when they feuded. Again, two fantastic wrestlers, Hall of Famers, but for whatever reason could not put on a decent match between the two of them. It just did not click. But sometimes it's like that. You have oil and yeah. water in the wrestling ring. Sometimes, sometimes you have magic, and sometimes you have marshmallows. Sometimes that's just how it be. It really do. <clears throat> really do um, be. But really, and you feel for Asuka because she's, I'm not going to say carried the show or carry the division, but she's been the face of the women's division, but kind of relegated in the sense that nothing has been about her for the longest time. And then as soon as it's about her again, she's going to drop the title, but putting the belt on Ripley is the right call. It's the right call for a fresh start. Um, I'm hoping they get a, a roster shakeup here soon. It's going to be needed, but that makes Ripley a big deal and good for her. I hated that the next night they had her reading a promo that was legitimately her reading off a teleprompter off screen. I heard that. It was bad. It was very bad, um, especially when she can talk one on her own. But this is WWE, so these are the these are the concessions we have to make, apparently. Um, and then the main event. Main event was uh, Reigns, Edge, Bryan. And I don't think it ended in the way that either of us had discussed I thought they were going to have Brian take the pin for Edge, or Edge take uh, the pin for Brian. For Brian, yeah, either one. Um, I did say I didn't think they were going to take the belt off of Reigns right away. I thought it, I thought the best result would be to keep the belt on Reigns. I didn't see them having Reigns pin both of them at once in such a dominant fashion at the very end. <clears throat> like it worked, it absolutely works for the character. I'm just surprised they did it. Um. In the sense that the match itself was fantastic. I mean, don't get me wrong. Absolutely great match. All three playing the, the peak versions of their character. <clears throat> they got the result they wanted in that everyone booed the shit out of Reigns, which he played to it, and it was wonderful. Um, Edge was unhinged half the time. Brian was a great comeback babyface because he's fucking Brian Danielson, and that's <laughs> what he does. But you had this fantastic ending of Edge giving a concerto to Brian and then uh, getting a concerto from Reigns and then stacked up and pinned. You also had the really cool spot mid-match of them both putting a submission on Reigns at the same time with a broken piece of chair and then headbutting themselves against each other to try to get the other to break the break the submission. Great. Awesome. Um, neither, neither Brian nor Edge were on SmackDown last night. So not really sure where they're going with that. Um, the Cesaro story with Reigns seems to be taking over a little bit for it. But I don't. I'm not really sure where that's going to lead. Um, there is possibly smoke to the fire that Brian and Edge are both kind of in that part time, sort of part time, sort of not part time, where they may both be kind of winding it down a little bit. Edge has now gotten his Mania main event. So maybe he's going to dial it back out a little bit. I don't know. Huh. Brian's been open and saying that he's kind of on his good, his farewell tour of sorts. Like he knows he's not going to have as many chances going forward and he's not going to have as much time in the ring going forward. And that's okay. Yeah. So, and really this was the crowning achievement for the Reigns heel character. Now he is more legit than he's been. And he's been legit for the entirety of the character. So, I mean, I, I I don't have a whole lot of analysis on the match, really. 
Um, it was a great match, a really, 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 really great match. But the best compliment that I can give it is that it did everything that it needed to do spot on. There you go. It, it was, it was a song played perfectly. Put it that way. Um, and overall mania thoughts as a whole. Night one was really good. Parts of night two were really good, but yeah. parts of night two took away from the overall thing. And it's again, it's a standard WWE play. You're trying to fit too many shits in. And guess what? Here's where we got. We got right. we got stuff that falls flat. Right. You have the good of both the all the title matches were pretty good. At least ring work wise, all the title matches were good. Uh, it's kind of what I said prior to the show was that no matter how bad the booking is, this, the talent involved in it is too good for it not to be a success. Correct. They'll succeed despite the bad booking. They'll succeed despite whatever shit gets thrown at them. It'll, they'll still be good moments to the show, and that's what it is. Despite 4,796 camera cuts. No, I'll, t- I'll have more to say about Kevin down here in a little bit. But, um, um, yeah, that's Mania. Um, I... I was not hyped for the show at all. I enjoyed it for what it was. I'm not really all that excited about the prospects leaving. Um, I don't really want to get into talking about Raw and SmackDown that much over the next, over the rest of the week because they weren't, you know, it used to be that Raw after Mania was this big to do event and it was a complete whimper this time. It, the, the show sucked. Mm. I, I Was I, there I a crowd know. too? They're back to the Thunderdome. Um, they're going to be back to the Thunderdome for the foreseeable future. Although they're talking about SummerSlam having a crowd again. Oh, interesting. So, which I'm, I'm all for. I've, for lack of a better term, I've normalized the Thunderdome. I'm used to it. I don't care. It's fine. Sure. It's whatever. Um, it was cool hearing fans. I'm happy for it. Um, I'm excited to see it. I, I was going to wait until a later part of the show to bring it up, but I think this is the right point in time to do it that I am pretend I'm probably a little harder on WrestleMania and I'm potentially harder on Raw and SmackDown over the last week than I maybe should be. Um, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of the bullshit, man. Like I've watched so much wrestling and we'll get to it here soon that I've watched so much wrestling over the past week that I saw shit that I enjoyed a hell of a lot more than anything that most of the stuff that WWE provided for us. Um, I saw a lot of indie stuff take over Blue Mania out of the water, as far as I'm concerned. Both uh, AEW shows were great in the past couple of weeks, uh, even if they're not even if they're not the the high end of what we would expect from AEW. If, even if they're not, you know, the big spectacle, huge shit happening, they're still solid. You 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 find less that you're upset about. You find less that you're dislike, I guess, but. WWE is so much of same shit, different day. Every fucking time. My homie used to say, same shit, different flies, man. Yeah, I mean, and it's not, and the sad thing is, is it's not going to change. It's not. Because they make too much money for them not to. WWE, and I've said it before, has been given no, no reason to put forth effort. Because they put forth very little effort and, I, and again, this is not me coming down on the talent because the talent puts forth a shitload of effort to overcome the lack of effort from creative and the lack of effort from corporate, the lack of effort from the booking. <clears throat> but 
the talent is there. The talent is better than most other places. Most wrestling rosters would kill to have the talent that they do. And the fact that you have to sit there and look for what's good is bad. Absolutely. They, have, they put forth the bare minimum effort and it made them more money than they've ever gotten. Now even doubled that because of the Peacock deal. Now they're not sinking a shitload of money into the into the network. So uh. I, I uh. it's bad when you don't want people to get called up to to Raw and SmackDown from NXT. NXT has a hugely bloated roster too. Let's not get it twisted. They have a massive roster that does not get everybody on screen every week. We know that. We've known that for a long time. But they have but, a way about rotating people. Well, but the fact is, the normal progression would be to call, say, Adam Cole or Kyle O'Reilly or call um, Karrion Cross if he had lost or call Balor now that he lost. And we'll get, to, we'll get to take over here in a sec. But the people that you used to see would lose on you know, the, the takeover before Mania, you're probably going to see a few of them coming up soon. That used to be the big part of, like I said earlier, the Raw after Mania being a big draw. But now you kind of don't want to see anyone get called up because you know they're going to get screwed. Like, for every Bianca Belair that they treat well, you know, a year after the fact, you get Ali, you get Ricochet, you get Dijakovic, you get Mia Yim, who hasn't been seen in months. Uh, You get shit, you know? I hesitate the fact I hesitate to think that I don't think Matt Riddle would even as good a wrestler as he is would be getting nearly the the push that he is if he didn't make Vince laugh. <laughs> if Vince didn't think LOL Stoner's funny. Okay. By the way, well I do need to okay. Okay. You reminded me there is a thing I want to talk about. <clears throat> there is a tiny part of me that was super stoked at something that happened during WrestleMania. And at the same part of me, there was a part of me that my heart sunk in the same moment. And they had a backstage moment with... New Day. Nope. Matt Riddle and RVD. And what is RVD on wrestling, on WWE programming, mind you, talk about? His rolling papers. For those of you in the back who are fucking oblivious, rolling papers are used to smoke cannabis joints. You put your cannabis in there, you roll them some bitches up, and you have a good old time. So here's my thing. When did WWE just be like, yeah, fucking weed's cool, dude, no big deal. And let's not even, not even it's cool, let's put the, the historical stoner and the current stoner in a segment together and see what plays out. Well, here's the thing that I can see is that I don't know so much that they're okay with it, although they've had clips of the New Day where they've talked about getting the munchies and shit. So they're they're kind of leaning into it. Probably it's the when did WWE get okay with it? It's probably when they started legalizing shit. So they can't really come down on their talent for half the time for not for not following rules when it's legal to do so. Um, I'd also think that the, it was kind of obvious you have to put Riddle and RVD together when RVD's getting the Hall of Fame nod this year, and he did. So putting the two of them together when they're in close proximity just makes sense. And then as far as him talking about rolling papers, I get the feeling that they really didn't tell RVD what to say. They just let him go. 
and he just was like, I'm promoing on my shit. And they were like, well, you can't take that back. Yeah. This is, Hey, we're live pal. Um, yeah. And speaking of, of, of things that you can't believe are on WWE TV, you notice the one thing we didn't talk about with WrestleMania was the fact that Hulk Hogan existed. And I, that's all I'm going to say about it. Um, how do we, how do we amend this guy's, uh, fucking uh public image for being a racist piece of shit let's put put him with the the most philanthropic motherfucking black dude guy that everybody likes yeah that is gonna get the warrior award and shit like this shit man can we also let's also come to the fact the warrior award given to a black guy is a little ugly not to say that the warrior award's not not uh prestigious or that that titus doesn't deserve any award he's given absolutely not but to get an award from a racist fucking bastard that Helvig was the warrior was it's a little do you really think that 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 man would have would have been all happy go lucky about Titus getting it really no no not at all uh, and and Hogan calling Titus O'Neil my brother it's a bad look leave it at that okay um and this is even with Hogan being brother 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 anyway we've, we've given Hogan more airspace than he needs um I do want to touch on TakeOver really quickly because TakeOver was better than Mania. Um, we have uh, Kushida versus Pete Dunne, which – did you watch TakeOver? Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember. That's right. I think, yeah. We already so, covered TakeOver, yeah. I'm pretty sure. No, we did not. We did not. Did we didn't last week? No. We, it was, we recorded before TakeOver because I told you we had to record Tuesday night because I knew Wednesday night on I was not going to be free to. Oh yeah, that's right. <clears throat> uh, yeah, Kushida, Pete Dunn, fucking great match. One of my favorite matches of the weekend. And the uh, the note that I have between the two of them, honestly, was wow, these two really fucking hate arms. Yes, <laughs> like they were trying to remove each other's arms physically from their body. Uh, shout out to Kushida who went from that match, losing that match, to winning the cruiserweight title on uh, Takeover or on uh, on NXT this week. Nice. Uh, their first Tuesday. Um, then we had the, uh, the gauntlet match, uh, yeah, the gauntlet match of rough swerve Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, Dexter Loomis and LA Knight. I, I think we, I think you and I kind of called it that Bronson Reed was going to win that great match. Um, I kind of would have liked a little more from it, but I mean, it's a gauntlet match and you didn't have somebody running the gauntlet. Yeah, it was decent. Uh, Legato del Fantasma versus young veterans, MSK. MSK walked away with a title, Matt. Title kind of had. I, 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 any one of those three was the right person to put it on. Honestly, any team of those three was the right one. But kind of tells you that they have some faith in MSK and that they debuted. They're undefeated. They won the uh, the Dusty Cup and they won the titles, still having not lost. So that's think they're a little high on them. You know, pun aside. Uh Um, and. I'm also going to throw out that fucking Wesley or Desmond Xavier or Desmond X, whatever you want to call him. That dude is not a human being. <laughs> that dude is a video game. That dude, it's frightening. What he does some weird certain. shit. Um, one of my favorite matches of the weekend, and I knew it was going to be, and I'm happy to say I was vindicated in it. Walter versus Champa was everything that it needed to fucking be. Whoa, that was a fucking violent Violent. What have violent. I said about Walter ever since this show started? Ever since I've been on this show, since November or October, November of 2019, 
is that Walter is the most violent person in WWE. Yep. Doesn't need weapons, doesn't need stipulations. And you know what? He is a fucking violent human being. He actually got taken to the limit. He did. And I um, loved it. I kind of, personally, I knew it wasn't going to happen because it doesn't make sense as far as the story is concerned. I kind of yeah. wanted to see Ciampa win with the way they still told that story. I'm I'm a Ciampa mark. I've been for a long time. Uh, speaking of violent matches, Ciampa's right up there. Um, going back to a match of his with Samoa Joe from December of I think, 2016 that still stands as one of my favorite matches I've ever had the pleasure of watching. Um, Ciampa is a violent, stiff motherfucker, too. And that match, as much as I'm a champ of Mark, it didn't make sense for Walter to lose the belt there. So I'm, I'm glad that it, I'm glad that it, uh, the result was what it was. I saw some people and something interesting about Walter matches that I've, I've kind of had an epiphany about is people online. I was on Twitter during takeover. People complained that, wow, one chop and champ is dead. You know, that was what, there wasn't a big flash. There wasn't a big finishing move. Like he went, he got pinned by a chop. First of all, that's a Walter chop. You put some fucking respect on that. That's like one. an entire tree branch <laughs> smacking you in the chest. Okay. Full disclosure. My dad, my father is six foot eight and weighs about 300 pounds. He's Walter's size. His hands are Walter's size hands. I've seen him break pressure gauges with his hands. Taking a chop from that sounds terrifying and Walter's are worse. Anyway. Uh, the point I was getting at is that Walter's matches are unique in WWE. He doesn't have big flashy finishers. He has a power bomb. He has the big boot. He has a sleeper hold. Not what you would call big flashy finishers. Walter's matches are the finisher. The entirety of his match is the finisher. You're not going, if you are losing to Walter, you're not losing to a big chop. You're not losing to a power bomb. You're losing to the entire Gruelingness that Time, is the match timeline of, of impacts that you've been taking throughout this course of this match. You are it's like it's the the uh consecutive shots that you're taking. It is the uh there's a word that I'm looking for and I'm I'm blanking on, but it is the the total amount of blows to the body until your body just physically gives up. It's not a submission, it's not a knockout, it is like you are just physically done. You can't move anymore. Walter beats you to the point where you cannot continue. You've been WWE 2K to where you got red bodied. <laughs> you've you've been hit by a truck that is just gonna continually back up over you <laughs> until you are done. Um, and I love Walter for it. Um, he is somebody that would not succeed on main roster programming. Vince will not get him. He doesn't look like a million bucks. He doesn't look like your typical WWE superstar. He doesn't wrestle the way a WWE guy does, but he is a fucking attraction because of it. I love him. For Vince it. looks like shit, by the way. He looks like you'd think Vince would in his eighties. So, um, and then the main event, Raquel Gonzalez, Yo Shirai. Um, Yo is one of the best wrestlers on the planet, male or female. We know this going in. She's run the table on pretty much every other woman in WWE. Um, and uh, the time is there. The time is right to take it, the belt off of her. I hope that I hope that doesn't mean a call up. I've seen what they did with Oscar, but and Kyrie doesn't mean a, I, and Kyrie. So I'm hoping she's not getting a call up. And Denver. But, yes, we know. I but, keep going. I know. Um, 
we've also already been on the show for over an hour. So um, we, the time is there to take the belt off of EO. I get it. It makes sense. Raquel's over. I get it. Just something with Raquel still doesn't click to me. I feel like there's still, like she still needs something. Like finisher is fucking great. Mannerisms fucking fantastic. Looks great. Like she's a female diesel for all intents and purposes. But like just her matches, something doesn't click to me. Like there's some like storytelling isn't quite there. And this is just me nitpicking. I'm not upset that they put the belt on her at all. I'm just saying that for whatever reason, there's something they could bring her to the higher level. There's still something missing with her. And I don't know. I don't know what it is. I honestly don't know what it is. I love the finisher. I love her one arm, like power bomb finisher because it's something that a, you know, it's unique despite the fact that Naya keeps trying to steal it and doing it poorly. Um, it's unique. It's something that she can do against smaller opponents that looks better. And she puts, she sells the hell out of it. She looks like she is trying to throw you through the ring. Because a power bomb is just like a, a, a straight uh, backdrop. Like it's half of it. It's the, okay. Take a, a Sid Vicious or a Kevin Nash jackknife style power bomb. Compare that to a Batista bomb. Now, obviously, one of them is a sit out, one of them is standing, but you have somebody that is dropping you versus someone who is going with you to the ground. Pulling you, you down. Yes. To hell. Um, Raquel, like she'll even kick up a leg like she's throwing a pitch. She looks like she is trying to physically throw her opponent through the mat. And I think that's really cool. So sold on the finisher. Absolutely. Don't let Nia do it because Nia keeps fucking it up. <gasps> and it's going to take out and it'll take Raquel's legs out from under her, which she doesn't need. Um, so that was takeover night one. Uh, night two. And I kind of hope they continue with the tonight takeovers as well, honestly. Um Takeover night two, Escobar Devlin. Great ladder match. Um, the closest I've seen to Santos Escobar looking like uh, King Cuerno from Lucha Underground, which I'm happy about. Uh, Devlin, Devlin may never be a main eventer. I don't know that he ever will be. Uh, partially because he's such a prick that people just don't want to like. But the dude can go in the ring. Wasn't like, he, he can... me too or yes, speaking he up, he was speaking out. Yeah, he was part of that. Um, I don't know what came of it. I don't honestly, I don't remember the circumstances on it. Um, so I can't say if it was better or worse than anybody else. But yeah, he was involved with it. Um, but just just purely on in ring work, the dude's crisp as hell. Um, I've heard people call him the dime store baller, which I can buy because they're both Irish. However, I honestly like his move set more than I like Balor's. Um, Damn. his, his moonsault is pretty as shit. Um, and I dig the finisher. I, he didn't get to hit it in this match. I don't think the, the ripcord, uh, back body or back driver, like the kind of the ripcord into, uh, the back body drop. Yeah. Backdrop driver like it. Um, weird moment with, uh, Escobar bringing his son out at the end because it made him come off more as the face than I would have expected them to. So that was a little strange. Like, yeah. cool for the kid. I'm happy for it. I'm happy for him to get in a moment with his son, but it felt a little out of sync with the character, at least. Yeah, definitely. But again, again, uh, nitpicking. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon versus The Way. 
great tag team match. Royale needs to be said. Um, probably my least favorite match on the show, but can't really say anything bad about it at all. Still a great match. Uh, Gargano versus Bronson Reed. Uh, Reed showed out. I really wanted Reed to win. I thought he should have. Um, purely because I think they need to find, like, I like what they're doing with Gargano, but they need to put the belt on somebody else for a change for a little while. It just feels like he's always been around that in it, North American title belt. Um, and I really wanted to see them put Bronson Reed over for it. <clears throat> um, Balor versus Cross. Uh, kind of a weird one for me in that I like Cross a lot. I'm not a big Balor fan. You've said like three times on this episode. Yeah, I know, I know. But it's it's weird because I, I should be. Like he does he does a lot of things I think I should like, but for whatever reason, I I like the character. It's just his matches just don't for whatever reason do it for me. Um Cross, on the other hand, I love the character, but in ring, unless he's squashing people, competitive matches are not usually his forte. He he's somebody that should do really well up on the main roster. Because he's character, big, good look, great personality, squashes. He should be fine. Um, I dug him coming out in the gladiator gear. I thought that was kind of cool. Definitely. What I didn't like was they, they seemed to have changed his finisher. Uh, he's not doing the Doomsday Saido. He's doing it in the match, but he's not finishing with it. And he's not finishing with the cross jacket rear naked anymore. He's finishing with just a straight up forearm to the back of the head, which sounds better on paper than it looks in practice for some reason, even for the bigger guy like him, it just doesn't, something doesn't feel right about it. I don't know. Um, what were your thoughts on that one, by the way? I thought it was a decent match. I was surprised that they put it on Dame on, uh, on cross on cross. Uh, but also not really. He's had this really interesting story. It was what this time last year he debuted. Just about, yeah. And in the full year cycle, he got injured, was off TV for a time, well, he, and then he won. He won the title, and then immediately had to relinquish it the next night. Yeah. So this is kind of that full circle. Seth Rollins. Finn, it's it's interesting. Finn makes... won the title, the undisputed title, and then had to relinquish it right away. Mm -hmm. He did the same thing, but then they both actually Finn it's never the same won. Injury too. It's Finn, the same injury too. Finn never won the Universal back though. No. No, he didn't. See, and that's the cool thing with the with the carrying cross story like, is he did. It makes sense uh, from that that full circle perspective. I see why they wanted to keep him on, and also it gives them a, a different vibe at heel because they haven't had a big dominant monster heel in a while as a title holder. Sure. Uh, point of fact, I don't think that the closest they've had is probably Owens. Maybe Big E, bro. Oh, I mean, I'm talking about dominant monster heel. Oh, I got. He you. was never. He was never a heel in NXT. Um. But yeah, I think Owens is probably the most recent one I can think of. Uh, maybe missing something, but Bobby Roode, maybe. But uh, no, I wouldn't. Yeah, he's really the the first like big bad like Lesnar type that they've had as a title holder at NXT, and it's it's a good change of pace. Um, that being said, I'm kind of surprised they didn't have Balor win just because I think Cross is destined for the main roster, and I thought that was going to be his call up, but. Either way, I'm happy about it. <clears throat> um, and then we finished the show with um, KOR and Adam Cole unsanctioned, which unfortunately right off the bat got off to a bad start. 
because they changed both their music and both of them are terrible. I, I understand giving O'Reilly new music and his music wasn't bad in itself. The fact that he came out doing that shitty, like pseudo headbanging shit that he did when he was a heel, not a good look. And it kind of took me out of it immediately. But the fact that they changed Adam Cole's music is terrible. It's flat out terrible because it is, does not jive with anything that he does in the ring. He didn't even get to do that. He does the boom, but there's no musical cue for it. It was really dumb and not good music either. So off, off to a rough start there. The match itself, great, as we knew it would be. Those two of them, the two of them beat the shit out of each other. Um, it did feel a little long. Like it went probably 10 minutes too long, it felt like. Like they went like a full almost 40 minutes and it felt like they was, they built up to the big spots at the end, which is good, but it still felt like they probably could have shaved a few, a few bits off of it here and there, like crashing through the ring, uh, the ramp, and then coming back out and still finishing the match was I think a first that I've seen. Um, I did like O'Reilly dropping the big knee, the big uh, chain wrap knee through the through Cole through two chairs, brutal spot. Um, kind of a cool thing on Smack or on uh, on NXT on Tuesday though they uh, stretchered both of them off. They stretchered Cole out from the ring and then O'Reilly collapsed back collapsed backstage and they stretchered him out. And then they had exclusive footage on NXT of what happened afterwards of them both getting taken to the same hospital and literally being wheeled down the same hallway on gurneys right next to each other <laughs> with Adam going, I hate you, Kyle. This isn't over. I hate you. I'm going to kill you. In what world? I love suspension of disbelief. Don't get me wrong. In what world would you put two guys that just damn near killed each other? I had this, all this bad blood. What hospital would admit them side by side like that? <laughs> I'm going to kill you, Kyle. Sound like Cartman. <laughs> yes. I'm going to kill you, Kyle. But like, seriously, they're literally the, the gurneys, the stretchers are side by side going down the hallway with Adam Cole screaming at him. It's, it's so dumb. Ugh. So silly. But whatever. Um, so that feud is far from over, obviously. Probably they're going to have another blow off. This is going to be a, another uh, Champa Gargano thing, which I'm not going to be upset about. Um, a couple quick notes from NXT also and from WWE at large. Um just before we get into the other promotions, um, we did have on NXT, Roddy Strong apparently quit, like gave his papers and walked off. Legit quit? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't know if he's actually quitting, if it's kayfabe, if he's going up to Raw or SmackDown. He just quit. He gave his papers. He had his wife there, and they just left. So we'll see. There was, I mean, like it was legal even. It was a segment that you watched happen? Yes. Then it's kayfabe. I mean, it's kayfabe, but I'd, it's kayfabe in the sense that he's quitting NXT because of reasons, but we don't know if he's actually leaving or not. Gotcha. So, and there's a lot of options. Like maybe his contract's up. Maybe he's retiring. We don't know. Maybe he's going up to our SmackDown. Maybe he's going to 205. Maybe we, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a storyline in NXT. Interesting. Um, we also had the debut of Frankie Monet, Ty Valkyrie. Came out with her dog, which I'm always in favor of. Um, Took a cool name, though, and just murdered it. Well, to her, she actually has explained it herself, is that she picked Monet because she likes art, and she picked Frankie because it was gender nonspecific, actually. Nice. So, 
whatever. And she kind of came out with a mob wife look, which Frankie sounds like mob wife. So sure. I'm okay with it. Uh, they did also have a cool moment. She interrupted Raquel. And then after she kind of went out of the ring, uh, Rhea and Bianca both showed up with their belts. So you had all three new title holders in NXT having a curtain call type moment. It was That's really cool. cool. <clears throat> Completely unexpected. So it was really neat. Um, quick hits from Ron Smackdown. Supposedly we're going to be getting Aleister Black back. Like they're, um, I guess been re-recording some vignettes for him. They put one on Instagram yesterday, but I don't know that it's been on either main show yet. So maybe we're getting Aleister Black back. I don't know. Um, we had two new announcers. You they said they sucked. Uh, well, no, I'm not going to say that both of them did because one of them I really liked. And I'm guessing the fact that you didn't pick up on this means you don't know yet, which I like. Good reaction time. Um, so the first one was Adnan, Adnan Vins. I, I don't know his name. He's a baseball announcer from Canada on raw and he was really a bad. baseball announcer yes he you can tell he's a baseball announcer because there's so much dead air in baseball that you have to fill with just random babbling and bullshit let's talk about jeff harvey he honestly i was getting some serious mike adamley vibes um he did botch a couple of names um yeah it just was uh, maybe he'll improve with time but that first night was rough especially with Samoa Joe not being there. It was Graves, this new guy, and Saxton, which Graves is all right, but he just wants to pick on Saxton the entire time and just falls back into bad habits. And this guy is not a good color comment, or this guy's not a good play-by-play guy, at least not yet. However, SmackDown is still a two-man booth. Adam Cole, or not Adam Cole, Michael Cole, and Pat McAfee. What? Pat McAfee is your new week to, weekly SmackDown uh analyst now that's kind of badass and he did he did a fantastic job last night i love it uh, he was you can tell and here's the thing when you listen to his commentary you can tell that he does not have bench in his ear scripting every word really he is he's reacting organically or if he's not he's very good at acting like he is i think they realize that his the reason that he's so good is because he is organic he is natural uh, he's a great talker in his own right. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, that's the reason his podcast popular. That's why he's a great promo on NXT. So they're letting him fly a little uh, looser and it was successful because of it. Um, to Amazing. the extent where at the end of the show during the Jay Uso Cesaro match, I noticed if you look over outside the ring, you kind of see this, the, the announce table set in the back and you see Cole and you would see Cole and Grace sitting back there. Cole's sitting there like he normally would be. McAfee's standing up. He's commentating and standing up the entire time, like half the time. That's so he's awesome. out of his seat and animated. That's great. Even if you can't see it, it translates. Yeah. Hell, he was tweeting. He was tweeting while commentating. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I love it. I fucking love it. So, yeah, cool. I'm happy for him. As a longtime Hoosier, longtime indie native, longtime Colts fan, I am a McAfee fan. I loved him on Bob and Tom. I've loved his stand-up. I am so happy for him. Um, so that's that's the the let's say good news from WWE. The other big news of WWE this week is the releases, um, which we kind of have to talk about. We've got a bunch of other shit we need to get to, and we're already at like the hour and a half mark. But we've got to cut the re- get the releases here. Um, I don't have the list in front of me, but I do know uh, I can name off the majority of them. The big name Samoa Joe. Yep, biggest name there. Uh, all second biggest is probably I would say Mickey James. Yep. 
Um, yeah, both the iconics are Peyton Royce and Billy Kay, both cut. Uh, Mojo Raleigh cut, Kalisto cut, Bo Dallas cut. Wesley Blake? Uh, Wesley Blake cut, Tucker cut. That's it. I think that's, I think um, you I think nailed that's, it. I think that's everybody. And hot take. Other than Samoa Joe, kind of hard to care. Uh, like, for the most I feel, part, I, I agree. For, but I feel bad. I feel bad for the performers losing their jobs. I do. So here, here's my thing. Mickey will go back to Impact. That was her second home. Let, let's 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 go down the list and say where we think they're going. First okay. Of all. First of all, Samoa, Sam- Samoa Joe, hands down AEW. Whether he becomes a commentator or a active star, if he does not go to New Japan. He's AEW I would, bound. I would love to see him in New Japan for one, even if it's just for a brief stint. If he's going to keep I, his um, re- in-ring career going, is going to be what depends. Right. And I, the uh, the thing is with Samoa Joe, uh, and it, it, rightfully people immediately go, why would you cut Samoa Joe? Why, of all people? But the reality is he's been injured quite a bit. The thought process and the, the, the line of thinking that people seem to have right now is that he probably – he wants to continue in the ring that I don't think WWE was going to clear him and, or that they didn't have a significant plan for him in the ring going forward. So, well, the fact that he could have been the one that dethroned Lesnar and it would have been one of the most over moments in the history of wrestling. Just saying, I'd say that Joe was definitely wasted on the main roster. Although him on commentary is something I would love to see once he does decide to retire from the ring. But if that's the case and he wanted to go in the ring and either they refused to clear him or they didn't have a plan for him going forward. Okay. I'm okay with that release. Um, AEW, I still think yes is the most likely. Uh, I can see him going to ring of honor. Actually. I can see him going back to ring of honor. Nah. Um, it just, it's it, in his case, it's literally whatever he wants to do. Sure. Um, sure. Going from there, Mickey James, I think you hit it impact very likely. Uh, or NWA, she'd be great at NWA. True, I, I, I would say she'd honestly wait. Her husband is Nick Aldis, yes, she'll be NWA bound. Yeah, she could do both. She could, she could very easily do both. Um, I do think she'd be a good get for the women's roster at AEW just to have more credible names. Absolutely, she would be a good veteran presence that they are kind of lacking, sure. So, I would be happy to see her go to AEW, but I don't think it's the case, I don't think it's the most likely. Um, you have Bo Dallas, Wesley Blake, Mojo Raleigh, uh, Tucker, Indies, Ring of Honor, maybe MLW, maybe. And I, I say that with MLW getting a TV deal, possibly forthcoming. Um, I could see Tucker doing NWA, possibly. I could see Mojo ending up in Impact with uh, Zach, actually. Uh, maybe it's it's conceivable. Um, but it's to the extent where they're going to do whatever they get picked up and it, they're not going to move the needle really. I, I don't see them moving the needle any places they're going. I hate to say that. I, I would love to see them all get great careers and I'd love to see them all succeed wherever they go. But I don't think any of them is really moving the needle anytime soon. People aren't busting down their doors to go see Mojo Raleigh and Tucker. No. Um, Iconics or AEW well, bound. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Kalisto first. Kalisto, because I think Kalisto, I could see he never really did much AAA in the first place. Hmm. He was not really a, a Mexican like AAA and uh, uh, CMLL. Maybe he did New Japan things. then. Maybe uh, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to AEW. 
because you could pair truthfully he'd pair up better in the death triangle with lucha brothers than Pac does true that um, is true and they've got a they've got a history of working with guys like you know uh uh what am i thinking uh uh, uh laredo kid as well yeah so i mean there's there's a little more possibility of that um I wouldn't be upset with him going to AEW at all. Now, um, he could go to play ICML, entirely possible too. So we'll see. Um, i trying to think if we've left anybody else out other than the Iconics. I think the Iconics is the other big name. And that's where you and I kind of differ a little bit. I think they stay together <laughs> because I think they had an over moment in the WWE. They were building uh people into believing and buying into the iconics and they got their legs cut out from under them and you saw it and i saw it and fucking everybody saw it so to me i think you're looking at the landscape looking at what's going on billy and peyton are aw bound sean's already there so you already have an in with that you need a solid women's tag division to keep bolstering your entire division and honestly those two showing up would be a pop that AEW could utilize. And here we are. We're in the real-life wrestling wars again. And if you think former women's tag champs are just going to be on AEW's, eh, doesn't really matter. We can get one of the two, and that's good enough. I don't see Khan playing a game like that. If he has a chance to right wrongs WWE did, he's been trying to do that. Like, that's really kind of one of the things he does. I I recognize that I'm, I'm I'm in the minority here. Um, I would I can see them both going to AEW. I think you you've hit it on the head. I think Peyton Royce is definitely going to AEW, and I think Billy gets along with her. Um, and I don't think it's a bad get for AEW. I don't. Uh, they need, if nothing else, they need bodies. Yep. They need more people in their women's division that have experience. Because right now their division is still very much in its infancy. And a part of that is the fact they don't get enough time and that's fine. That's something that needs to be fixed. Their bookie is not the best, but they're really hurting because their women's division with the, ex- with the exception of maybe Britt Baker didn't really have much name recognition going in. Sure. So they're built, they're building all of them from scratch. So having name value drawing eyes even in a minute way, is good for the women's division. That said, yes, I recognize that they're over. Yes, I recognize that that uh, there's some fan interaction there that people will like. Realistically, though, in terms of in-ring performance, is there much reason to? I mean, I think there's reason to give them an opportunity to maybe train with people that can make them better. Possibly. And I'll, I'll, I'll concede that. I don't, aside from WWE losing, I've never been a big fan of the Iconics. I think Peyton, I think Peyton is serviceable. Um, I don't have anything really against her. I don't think she's great. I think her moveset's not really where it needs to be. I've long said though, that Billy is a better manager than a wrestler. And I would still hold to that. Well, and maybe that's so, what you could do is keep them together. They don't have to necessarily be that, a tag team, but you that could would have be a, Billy and I would be Peyton fine. I would together be completely as a, fine with that. As a women's I would be I would be completely fine with that. I, I just when I saw that that they'd been released, I thought, Oh well. Like 
I wasn't really hurt by that as a lot. People like were tearing, like tearing their shirts up. Oh, they iconic. So why you broke them up and then you cut them. And like, okay. They broke them up because they don't give a shit about the women's tag team division. They broke them up because it was a story beat. Now yeah. they didn't go anywhere with it because it's WWE and they don't go anywhere with half the shit they do. But mourning the loss of a women's tag team and that tag team division does not mean anything because they don't care. True. They've shown mania just showed that they don't care. So losing them as a dominant tag team, which they never were. They won the titles. Yes, because there were literally no other tag teams at the time. Fact. If you don't put the, if you don't put the belt on the iconics at WrestleMania, you still have Sasha and Bailey holding the titles now. Yep. Because they don't care about any of the other teams. Yep. So I'm not, I'm not saying that to disparage anyone, but WWE booking, that's not to disparage any of the talent whatsoever, Sure. but from a ring work perspective, they're a comedy team. That's it. They're a comedy team. They always had been. They've n- never been a ring work team. They've never put on. I tell me one great match that the iconics have had. No, nah, you can't. Cause like you said, they're more of a, a comical team, but, their work is always good. That's the thing. They can work with pretty much anyone. That's one See, thing. I disagree. Mm-hmm. I disagree that their work was always good. I don't know. I guess I've just always, I have been a fan. I've just been a fan from the time they were in NXT to the call up to all of that. I was just like, okay, let's give them a shot. And they improved. Cause I think when you watch, listen back to the first time they debuted, I was like, I don't think this is a good idea. But as time went on, they got better. And for me, their, their character work definitely did. Yeah, so I, I guess we're just gonna have to see, man. Yeah, we got ninety I, whole days now yeah. to wait it yep. out to see where things wind up. Yep. I think you and I are probably just always gonna. I know, like I said, I know I'm in the minority. I know I'm in the minority with them because a lot of people like him. I've never been a huge fan of him. I I respect the hell out of both of them. I think I think they do fine character work. Don't get me wrong, but as far as in ring talent, I don't think they're much of a loss, and. I don't know that they're much of a gain either, but I could be wrong. I could very easily be wrong. I'd be happy to be wrong. I would be very happy to be wrong. So um, speaking of AEW, I want to touch on AEW very quickly because we've got other shit I need to get to. And I'm, we're really dragging at this point. Um, AEW has had a couple of uh, shows, um, not a ton of massive developments, um, you have the interface is now, uh, the, the interface is now circle. The inner circle is now a face team as I get that in the correct order. The interface is uh, now a circle team. Yep. Yep. My interface is now a circle. Yes. Um, so we have them leading into a blood and guts match coming up at the pinnacle. Um, I know it's been announced. I can't remember when it's coming up, but it is coming up. Um, you have the young bucks going full heel. Uh, reforming, I don't know if they're going to call it the Bullet Club, but essentially the Bullet Club. They said Bullet Club. I, I, I'm not sure if they're going to keep calling it going forward, though. I, and you also I saw know. who who uh, answered Moxley's call, right? Did you hear about this? So Mox was a part of the the, the Bucks turn, you know. They but right, they right. really beat the shit out of him and whatnot. Right, but he wasn't on. He was not on this week's episode. That's fine because guess what? Last week at the end of that episode. One name tweeted out, hey, man, see you're in need of some help. Tomatonga. 
<laughs> oh, 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 that would be fun. So see, Tama Tonga, Tongaloa coming, showing up, Gorillas of Destiny, the that True Bullet Club, I would, I would enjoy plus that, Moxley. Yeah. Then okay. you have some more in New Japan. Like They're building to something massive, I think, this year. And once we get to some normalcy well, in wrestling, uh, we're going to see some shit. Here's here's the only caveat to that is that Tama Tonga is a notorious shit talker on Twitter. Sure, sure, like, sure. Like he he likes to fly off on Twitter all the time. So take anything he says with a slight grain of salt. And I don't know how much we're going to get a Moxley for a little while. They may have a match with they may have the rebound match for the Mega to finally finish the feud off. But I think we might be seeing him taking some time off. And I'll get to a little bit of that here in a second. Dad mode. Well, dad mode's a big part of it, but I think he's also got some other things he's playing with. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. His um, indie work. Yes, his indie work. He's doing a little bit more of, and he may be just you know checking a few things off the list before he goes into full dad mode. Um, we also had uh, Mike Tyson uh, back and an ancillary member of the of the uh, inner circle. Um, Tell me that inner circle return <laughs> in the pinnacle dressing room wasn't one of the best segments the other week, like two weeks ago. Was, by the way, I was uh, it was very good. I was not expecting it. Um, <laughs> he opens I the was, door. We gotta go. We gotta get so, out of here. Okay. <laughs> A couple questions about it though. A, do you think they waited too, or they they came back too soon? There was only a few weeks. No, I think it's perfect because you got to keep it hot. You got to keep the feud happening. And if you let right. it seem like the pinnacle just killed the inner circle, it kind of well, takes why, some. I, 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 that's why. That's why I asked. I'm kind of on the fence about it. Like on the one hand, I think you would have had a little bit better reaction if it had been a little bit longer. You kind of let them forget about it a little bit. But at the same time, you do want to strike while the iron's hot. So I'm kind of fifty-fifty on it. Uh, the other question I had was, how long were they in the bathroom? Well, right before because they started they had, filming. Well, I know, but I mean, like, re- re- taking filming out of it, taking looking at kayfabe wise, how long were the guys in the dressing room? And if they were in the dressing room, how much longer? How long were they in that bathroom before anyone noticed? Seven hours, no one pissed. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, great moment. Uh, I did love it. Uh, we also had uh, Darby Allen uh, retaining the title over Matt Hardy, uh, and something notable in that match. I, I commented to a friend of ours. Uh, the, I don't know if this is true or not, but I think it may be the end of that match. Did you see the uh, Darby Allen, Matt Hardy? Mm-mm. So wild and crazy shit. They ended up outside the ring. It was a no holds barred or false cut anywhere. Um, Matt got uh, coffin dropped through the announce table. Darby climbed some scaffolding and then Darby jumped off the scaffolding, did a coffin drop through the announce table to win. Dope. I think that's the first announce table spot they've had in AEW. Wow. Because the announce table is far away from the ring. Yes, it is. So I don't, and I may be wrong. Maybe I'm not remembering something. I might be wrong, but I don't remember that they've, I don't think they've done a. a Usually done when they spots. go over to the announcer area, it's off the stage where they do the spot. Yeah. So I think that's the honest to God first announce table spot in AEW history that I can recall. Damn. So fun, fun times and fun that they've resisted it that long. Um, so that's AEW, uh, Statlander's back as well, which I'm happy about, uh, Jade Cargill and Red Velvet had a good match. Um, I do have an impact news. Uh, I do as well. And I'm sure it's Um, the same news. Who is announcing this match that's taking place? I don't know if he's announcing the match or the whole show. I'm not upset with either one, but Mauro Nello's coming back to announce Rebellion 
And I may be watching Rebellion this year, actually. It's, is it tonight? I think, it, I think it's 25th, I believe. Oh, no. Is that, so that, so it's, it's next Saturday, next Sunday. Saturday, Sunday, I think. Um, yeah, Kenny, uh, Kenny versus Swan is going to have Morrow calling it, which should be great, for one. But, um, yeah, should be a great match, too. It's the 24th a week from today. Okay. Um, so that's Impact. Uh, Jazz also retired. Uh, at their most recent at hardcore justice, I believe it was hard justice. Um, yeah, hard justice. Yeah. Um, so that's that's AEW. That's an impact. So we need to follow up on something uh, from last week's show. Uh, I had my two day wrestlecation or four day wrestlecation, as it were. And you're not going to uh, go over every card because that would no, take us. We I'm would not. be here for another no, two I'm hours. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Um, but I, uh, you did find some great wrestling. I watched 18 full cards between. Uh, between eight o'clock on Wednesday night to mania night two. Now that's a little short of my goal because I didn't watch anything on Sunday other than mania night two, because I was too hungover. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It was just like, I was a zombie most of the morning. Um, got a little into my cups, uh, Saturday night. A but, little bit um, too much of the bubbly. Yep. A little bit too, bit of, too much of the, uh, angels envy as it were. Um, yeah, I watched wrestling from Wednesday night all the way pretty much solid through Saturday night and then Sunday evening. So uh, both TakeOver cards, both Mania cards, AEW. I did not watch SmackDown, but that's uh, a solid dozen indie cards uh, interspersed throughout GCW's The Collective and IWTV's uh, Showcase of the Independence, which... I really hope they don't do that next year because trying to bounce between both of them when they're both on the exact same time was not fun. Um, but great fucking wrestling. Uh, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to cover all the cards. I'll name off the ones I did watch. I did watch uh, Jimmy Lloyd's Degeneration F, the uh, night one of uh, the first card of IWTV's Family Reunion, both cards of the Acid Cup, uh, Blood Sports. Uh, I did watch GCW's for the culture. I did watch the. Uh, Action Southern Underground Pro, have fun, be sad. Alley Cat's Real Hot Girl shit, um, and RSP's Spring Break, and the Violence and Suffering uh, Lucid Dream card, which was kind of the strangest one of the group. And if he's Big Gay Brunch, can't forget that one. So lots of different cards, lots of different shit. I'm going to just shout out some of the matches. Uh, I don't have a ranking because honestly, there was too many to rank. Um, and I'd also throw in some of the Mania card. Uh, Walter versus Champa would be in the top ten if I was to make one as well. Um, but of the of the indie stuff, I would definitely shout out a couple names. Again, I've mentioned Lee, uh, Lee Moriarty a few times in the past that I think he's got a big future. He had some great matches here. Uh, he had at least um, a title defense against either Surreal. Um, also had matches against. Uh, Leo Rush, that were great. Leo Rush is another name that had a big weekend. Had probably arguably the best match on Bloodsport was Leo Rush versus a name I was not familiar with, uh, Japanese or yeah, Japanese wrestler. I have so many cards. I'm struggling to find all the different names here. Um, uh, Yoya was the gentleman there. Uh, Matt Mikowski had a big week coming off of his uh, Beyond um, showcase matches. Uh, a name that you may know, uh, Jordan Oliver, uh, is a standout on uh, MLW. 
Uh, he's the guy that I mentioned with Tony Deppin a couple months ago at the uh, at the Fight Forever event. Had a two-hour-long Ironman match. You talked. We did talk about that briefly. Had the two-hour-long Ironman yeah, match back in crazy. January, I think it was. Yeah. But Oliver had kind of a coming-out party this weekend. He was in like seven or eight different matches that I saw, and almost all of them were very good. Um, I do want to shout out specifically. Uh, I'm just going to go down the list here. Um, also, J.D. Drake and Darby Allen from AEW last week was fucking great, too. J.D. Drake, I fucking love. Um, Ninja Mac versus Levi Everett versus Conan Lycan, American Beetle, and Gabriel Sky. I sent you a couple clips from that match. That was the one where the uh, dude in the full... People uh, died came. a couple times. People yeah, died. the dude got dropped straight on his head. Uh, and then Levi Everett uh, had took a... Took a boot straight to the temple. Yeah, uh, took a knee pretty much to the dome on a uh, like a 450 mix and... <clears throat> We had to make sure he's scolding caved in. It was not fun. Um, Everett Connors and Jordan Oliver, Myron Reed, Dante Leon. Um, from the Acid Cup day one, Aramis versus Arez was a great luchador match uh, that had a little bit of issues with the uh, with the hydration. Um, from Bloodsport, uh, I mentioned Leo Rush and Yoya. Matt Mikowski and Hedy Karai. Karai, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. He's French. Uh, had a fantastically good uh, blood sport match. And then Moxley and Barnett had their, I guess this was the three years in the making, two or three years in the making now, uh, blood sport main event that Moxley honestly did not win. Referee stoppage. Moxley was bleeding like a stuck pig. Uh, Barnett was beating the hell out of him. Uh, Moxley did not want to give up and wanted to restart the match, but uh, great fucking main event. Um, I do want to call out Bloodsport because it had one of the dumbest moments I've seen in recent memory of Schlack, who is a, a deathmatch guy that is heavily, heavily, heavily tattooed, looks like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man uh, in terms of muscles, like he's just big, beefy, heavily tattooed <clears throat> dude. His tagline is, uh, guns don't kill people, I kill people. No gods, only Schlack. He's also possibly a white supremacist, we're not sure. Um, had one of the most blatant bladings I've ever seen. So in blood sport where people are already getting busted open with elbows and whatnot, naturally, um, he visibly pulled a blade out of his wrist tape and like went to town on his forehead and then got DQ'd for biting. Like he was chewing on a guy's shoe. It was meant to went to put Schlack over as some like big animalistic wrestler that really just made him look like a moron. I hated it. Um, you have uh, from the cold, the, for the culture show, uh, Trey Lamar versus Eli Knight was a fantastic match. Leo Rush and Lee Moriarty was hands down one of the best matches of the weekend. Two Cold Scorpio and Rich Swan. I'll awesome. say that again. <laughs> Two awesome. Cold Scorpio and Rich Swan. Uh, <laughs> JTG and AJ Gray. Uh, JTG had a weird weekend, which is kind of interesting. I'll, I'll catch to him in a minute. AJ Gray had a few great matches that I'll touch on here in a second. Also, shout out to AJ because he is now, I guess, setting up with a knee injury. So sad about that. Um, from the uh, for the for had fun be set fin juice fin juice versus violence is forever it was a fun match as hell uh, AJ Gray and JD Drake two names I've already talked about in the last thirty seconds that both hit the living shit out of each other. Um, you also have Alley Cat's uh, real hot girl shit Alley Cat versus Billy Starks Billy Starks I mentioned on the show before is I think 18, 17 or eighteen and went full bore both with. Uh, with i'm sorry i went with uh alley cat there she also had a match i'm trying to find out where it was from she had a great match earlier on the, on the weekend with uh 
God damn it, Billy Starks, who did you fight? I'm I'm losing it. I don't for some reason I'm not finding it on here. Um God damn it. I'm having literally brain complete brain lock here. It's okay. Uh, it happens. I know it's bothering me that I am though. She went toe to toe with somebody that that oh um Stiff Robo Ginger fucking what is his last name? I I'm 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 really bad at this. I'm bad at this whole podcast thing. Um, no. I know, I know. I've got him listed. I know I have him listed here. Ah, doesn't matter. Um, I know his la- his net last name is Stiff Robo Ginger, or that's his tag his tagline. But the guy works stiff as hell. Uh, Billy went toe-to-toe with him. Did not come up with a win, but still had a great fucking match with him. Um, looking down the card a little bit further. Also from uh, from uh, the real hot girl shit, Dark Sheik and Holly Dead. Faye Jackson, who is retiring due to injury, had finally had her gray, gray sweatpants battle royal, which was a all-male. This is on Alley Cat's all-female show. was an all-male rumble where all the men had to be wearing gray sweatpants. So imagine Magic Mike, the, the Royal Rumble match. They broke out some slow jams in the middle of it. It was it was fun as shit, man. I'm not gonna lie, it was actually funny as hell. All right. You had uh you had Fire and Flavor uh um uh, from Impact, the women's tag team champions, uh Kira Hogan and um I can't think of her other name, uh, her partner's name, Kira Hogan and um God damn, I'm blanking all of a sudden on things. Anyway, they were just like thirsting all over the guys the entire time jtg ended up winning and then have it de- donated his pants halfway through uh shug d um who was pineapple pete in aew came out with a bible <laughs> like he's like y'all are just getting bad <laughs> like it was really really fun uh jtg again wins that um acid cup jordan oliver ends up winning the acid cup over lee moriarty so it's a two-day tournament great stuff there uh, that was in uh, in uh, tribute to Trent Acid, uh, former indie guy that passed away a few years ago. Um, the biggest card of the week. The, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get to the biggest card being Spring Break here in a second. But the VXS Lucid Dream match or show from uh, Saturday night after Mania Night One, uh, Low Key versus Leo Rush was your was your uh, headliner, and it was a great match. Nice. Um, Jack Evans versus Tony Deppen. Uh, I did not see that match uh, for whatever reason. Cage versus Dickinson. Um, Cage, Brian Cage versus Chris Dickinson. Literally an hour after he was bloodied to shit by uh, Joey Janela at spring break. Um, AJ Gray and Daniel Garcia was a good uh, pure rules match as well. So it was a kind of a mishmash. The only problem with that show was the commentating was horrible. <laughs> but um, I do want to get to spring break. Uh, it was probably top to bottom actually my favorite match or my favorite card of the weekend even over mania and even over the takeover wow um effie versus gregory iron um in which effie made gregory iron his bitch for the next day's show the uh um for effie's big gay brunch uh atticus kogar versus masada in a death match that involved uh more skewers than i think i've ever seen including skewers that went through atticus kogar's cheek Oh, like wooden barbecue skewers Ew. in the mouth. Uh, they also got hit with boards filled with toothpicks. Like they look like porcupines afterwards. Rough match. Uh, there was a Lucha Luchador six man tag match that 
I don't have the names of all of them. I'm not going to lie. I know um, Ares and Aramis from the earlier match were in it. Uh, Ninja Mac and uh, oh, oh, there's a, a Luchador, uh, Gringo Loco from uh, MLW was part of it. But some uh, Laredo Kid was also in it. Mm, and nice. some of the spots, I think I sent you a couple of their spots. There was at one point a springboard where uh, two guys lifting up on the middle rope springboarded um, Laredo Kid like 30 feet into the air. It was ridiculous. Um, if I can find that match, I'm going to send that one to you because there's so many crazy ass spots in there. It's wild. Um, you also had, <clears throat> excuse me, losing my voice here a little bit. Um, Starboy Charlie versus Billy Starks, 17 year old, 18 year old killed it. Nice. Uh, Leo Rush and Jordan Oliver. Leo Rush came out in his Blackheart gear, nice. which is his, almost his version of Finn Bauer's demon. So again, cool shit. Leo Rush is on another level when he's got it going. Um, Jordan, uh, uh, so Jordan Oliver, Leo Rush, Rich Swan, and Lee Moriarty was a fantastic match. Uh, and then Dickinson versus Janela uh, in was essentially a no holds barred match. Uh, ended with a ladder. Uh, Dickinson did take the loss in there, but got bloodied up to hell. I mean, he was leaking like fucking Eddie Guerrero in a uh, JBL match. It was bad. Damn. And then the main event of the night, uh, I do have one other card I want to talk about really quickly after this one, but the main event of the night was Ricky Shane Page versus uh, Nick fucking Gage. And this is probably the biggest name match or the biggest anticipated match of the, of the weekend short of Moxley Barnett, okay. which did take a few years. Um, Storyline being that Ricky Shane Page as uh, the leader of the 440 stable which is imagine undisputed era with meth. Like they're just a bunch of dirt bags. <laughs> and uh, RSP took the GCW title off a of gauge about a year and a half, two years ago and has since just been lording over everybody. Like he's just a shithead kicks people when they're down, like interferes in matches, like just like this uh, bullet club of Cincinnati. <laughs> um, and RSP comes out in for this title match with gauge uh so i believe it's gauge's first match since the pandemic started and it is full death match and when i say full death match i mean they had light tubes around the entire ring like up against the ropes on all four sides barbed wire there was a scaffold in the in the uh in the ring uh three sides of the ring on the outside of the they're on concrete for one there's no padding there's tables set up on three, four, three of the four sides of the ring. One that's covered in barbed wire, one that's covered in light tubes, one that's covered, that's hollow in the center, but has a pane of glass across it. And it's covered in light tubes. And the two of them went to fucking war. Um, there was a couple spots where Gage uh, got thrown off the ring, uh, like back body dropped outside the ring through glass, through light tubes onto concrete and looked like he may have come down flat on his face. Like, it was awful. Uh, glass fucking everywhere. Skewers, tables, chairs, everything. Uh, RSP went off the top of the scaffolding, through a table, through a uh, light tube cube. Damn. And Nick Gage wins the title back. Big hero story. And as he's celebrating at the end of spring break, this, you know, gratuitous violence, crowd starts screaming. 
and it's clear that someone's out in the crowd coming down the rampway or what they didn't really have a rampway so much but coming down the aisle as it were and you can't quite tell who it is the crowd's going fucking nuts like absolutely ballistic but you can't see who it is the crowds there's too many people in the way and yes there were a lot of fucking people at that show unfortunately and as the crowd parts just a little bit after about a minute minute and a half it's john fucking moxley (laughs) um who hasn't been in the ring with nick gage since his czw days which is like 2012 2011 somewhere in there so 10 years probably since he's been in the ring with gage since means since he's been in any sort of a quote-unquote death match and you can argue that yeah he's had the lights out match with kenny and then you had the, the exploding ring barbed wire death match which yeah gage that's another level this is old school john moxley this is old school taking a sawzall to the head getting your nipple cut off and reattaching it mid-match john moxley and everyone in the crowd lost their shit i lost my shit um so i'm a moxley fan and not only is it really cool to see all that crazy shit and see him there and like, Hey, dude's living his best life. Like he's married to the woman of his dreams. He's, you know, the guy of all guys in AEW. you know, he just won wrestler of the year for the observer uh, newsletter. You know, he's done all this shit. And now he's finally getting his match with at blood sport. He's going to get his shit. He's going to get his death match shit in. It makes you wonder if he's you know, crossing some bucket list stuff off before baby comes. I uh, also want to also want to point out Renee's reaction to it was just the eyes emoji. <laughs> it's like, oh fuck, what now? Because those two might kill each other. Oh yeah, uh, and I will be here for it. Um, I also wanted to point out um, my other favorite match of the weekend um, from the Effie's Big Gay Brunch show was the pup collar match between um, between Billy. Uh, what can I think of his last name? I'm blanking on so many names today. I'm so sorry. Billy Dixon, uh, last seen throwing Effie down a flight of stairs at the Fight Forever event, but Billy Dixon and AJ Gray. And the reason that I wanted to point this out and single it out a little bit was kind of the same reason that everybody talked about Bianca and Sasha. And one of the notable things from the Bianca and Sasha match was that Michael Cole actually called at one point and said, this is the first time that two black women have main event in WrestleMania or have been, you know, in contention like this. This is a big stage for that. And for Michael Cole to point that out, it's pretty significant. So during the For the Culture event, Friday night or uh, Thursday night, AJ Gray books that show. AJ Gray's a black guy. All the people on that show are black. That's the idea. It's for the culture. And Billy Dixon, who'd been on commentary during AJ's match in that show, um, afterwards comes out and beats up gray and says i don't want you to i want you we fight on sunday or saturday at the gay brunch i want you to take my shit seriously and i don't think you are i respect you but i don't think you're taking me seriously and you and i have a chance to prove and this is a direct quote that black motherfuckers draw money that I want you to take this shit seriously because you and I are going to put on a show to show that black people can draw on a pro wrestling company. 
Absolutely. And we want people to see this. And Dixon, who's not really a deathmatch guy or anything like that, AJ Gray is, they're going to have a dog taller match at Big Game Brunch of all things. And I've sent you the clip of it where the show starts or the, the match starts or I really before the match starts. Billy's in the ring, sitting in a chair, waiting for AJ Gray to come out. Gray comes out with a roll of light tubes in his hand already. Oh, shit, we're going places. They're not fucking around. And before the collar even goes on either, before the dog collar gets attached, Gray just turns on a dime and blasts Billy Dixon in the head with that roll of light tubes. And we're off to the races. Um, Both of them were beat to hell. It was a gnarly match. Um, They were all over the arena, all over the area busted up tables light tubes chairs everything and billy ended up losing the match but by the time that they finished that match up you could not say that those two did not have every eye in the area on them and i think they achieved what they wanted they set out to do and that was to show that they needed to be taken seriously and i thought that was a really cool bookend for um the, the day because that was saturday morning so you had that as the, the match of the morning, and then you had AJ or uh, Sasha and Bianca at the end of the night. Hell so yeah! So a really, a really cool, really cool little uh, bit of business there. Uh, all things considered, I watched a shitload of wrestling again. I'm watched so much that even with notes in front of me, I'm blanking on some of it. Um, and I'm still blanking on Stiff Robo Ginger's name, and it's gonna piss me off until I figure it out. He'll um, text me in an hour. It's this guy. Okay. Yeah. Um. But I, I had a blast. And honestly, again, I'm probably a little more negative on WWE now than I should be. Part of that is because I watched so much that I enjoyed more. That wasn't forced, that felt natural, that people were invested in. And it, it, it can't be it can't be understated that the passion that you get within WWE you get the passion from the fans you get the passion from the talent but it seems at times completely manufactured feels corporate yep and you don't get that with indie stuff you get that they're there because they want to be there they're there not getting paid millions of dollars they're there taking light tubes off the dome for love of the sport for love of what they're doing and that's something that you get you get an AEW to an extent it's got a little more polish in AEW. You don't get it in WWE. And after having watched three full days of that, watching, I wasn't, I was okay with Ron, with uh, with Mania, but watching Raw and SmackDown and seeing them go right back to the bad habits and right back to the not caring and not giving a shit, and not putting any effort into it, really, really soured me on a lot of shit. So, I'm gonna continue watching WWE going forward because I know Nate can't. And we have to have somebody that can recap the shit. We don't really so need to recap, Ron. Honestly, like I've been thinking, no, no, listen, 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 listen. This I'm isn't just, this isn't journey into AEW. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I think this show would be better suited to the smaller feds and the indies, and not always focus on WWE because everybody covers WWE. I mean, everybody is talking that's about true. it. And granted, we have opinions, and a lot of times. I'm just going to keep it real. You and I have a pretty, uh, well, at least me. I have a solid track record of knowing the shit they're going to pull <laughs> for some reason. I called fucking Sami Zayn winning Intercontinental title. I've called I know, I know, all I know. these weird things. And you know what's the weirdest part is? I don't even keep up with their fucking product beyond our show. Well, 
I still, I think we, one of us needs to watch the show just to have context. That's true. Because there's, there's one thing in reading that, and trust me, I read a lot of highlights. I read a lot of recaps. I don't watch impact regularly, but I read the recaps. I don't get to watch MLW, but I read the recaps. Same with new Japan. I told myself I was going to get new Japan world this year. And I haven't done it yet because I don't have any fucking time to. <laughs> so up until the collective, I haven't gotten to watch that much indie stuff, not just because it's slowly coming back, but I haven't had the time to, but WWE, even with a lot of what WWE do looks good on paper in practice is not. And I think you need the context of it. So it is still the biggest game in town. We kind of have to cover the biggest game in town. Yeah, I guess. But and as much as, as much as AEW is, is going to be on the door there, they got a ways to go yet. Still. I don't, I, I, I agree with that, man. But, uh, I think we have talked our souls out this week for wrestling. I'm losing my voice, and I haven't had that happen in a while. Yeah, so we're going to call this a good spot to wrap it. Buckles has been a champion of wrestling. I genuinely believe that you should be the independent pro wrestling fan of the year with as much dedication as you put into watching things in and out and in and out. I actually talked to a gentleman on Twitter, and I wish I had his name in front of me, but uh, he was actually watching on double screens. He had the IWTV on one and GCW on the other, and I can't claim to do that. Okay, that's, that's a, fair. That's a level of, of professional ADD that I cannot claim to have. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But as always, folks, you know where you can check out Journey Into Wrestling. Always get us on all the different podcasting platforms. When the show goes live, Gary J. His name is Gary J. Ha! I remember it now. There you go. You got that ginger's <laughs> name. But we're going to get you guys on Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Castbox, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcast, YouTube, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Google Podcast. Sorry, I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> it's okay. Um, also, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe to us on that as well as on Facebook to make sure to get all the different stuff we're doing on the show. We are definitely going to be trying to get locked into a more consistent schedule as the weeks roll forward. We are on the other side of WrestleMania and WrestleMania. The, um, what do we call it? Rehash. I call it Wrestle- yeah, WrestleMania Rehash. And we're going to call it WrestleMania Rehash. This week's episode of Journey into Wrestling 103. I've been Nate. Buckles right here. And we will see you guys as soon as we do. Be well. Later. <laughs>